there, this is Richie from the Metal Cell Podcast. We've got the forums. I welcome back Evan, Daniel and Joe. Great to see you, lads. Hello, hello. Well. Howdy, howdy doody. Yeah, Jesus. And on a shitty stormy night, so if any of the... And if you got any mad echoes or reverb, don't fucking blame me. That's all I'd say. Yeah. Blame the weather. Man yells at cloud. <laughs> <laughs> so, come here, let's get straight into it. The Dublin Hill evictions. Evan, you were there on the scene. Um, uh, did you hear about this, Joe? I did indeed. Yeah. yeah. Fucking hell, man. Um, like... Can you tell us how it developed? Was it, did you get a random? Yeah, I'll, gi- I'll give you yeah. the whole the whole thing because I think as well there's a lot of uh, rumors spreading around, and mm-hmm. that's that shouldn't be happening. Okay. Like people are taking small things and then giving it fucking spider legs. You know what I mean? Okay. So I get this call from a guy. I think his name was Patrick Lynch, and like I kind of know the guy, but you know this is at like I don't know quarter to eight, eight o'clock. I'm sitting in my bed, and I see this lad trying to call me and I'm like I don't answer the phone to my parents like I'm not I'm just like I'm not going to answer this (laughs) then he left me a message being like man you want to get down to Blackpool there's a lad um, that's after breaking the lock and he's starting to tell everyone to get out or their gear is gone and all this shit Um, so I called him and I was like what the fuck is going on he was kind of like I don't know apparently he's repossessing the place Um, so the first person I called was Jack Um, Jack straight away was like right I'll drive down to yours Uh, we went down and by the time we got there, the and now we were there within half an hour. So I say this is like half eight. How did you to, get there? Uh, Jack drove us down. Um, okay. So we got there. The car park for Blackpool filled. I mean, like absolutely filled because obviously word had spread so quick. Um, and went up to the door, and the first thing I asked your man was, "Where's Richie?" Uh, and your man is a fucking cunt absolute dickhead the first thing he does is like, i don't give a fuck where richie is and i was like what the fuck is going on like blah 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 you had never started, seen this guy before no never he never seen this there. He yeah he, like he, he broke was... the lock apparently he's the landlord's brother okay um he had no papers no nothing um i started asking him what the fuck is going on and he starts telling me um i had 10 minutes to go in and get my gear and i was just like oh fuck if you think you're giving me 10 minutes to get all that and then he mm. starts going right that's it you're not getting in get out and I'm like fuck you like I'm whatever man walked in anyway trying to talk to a few people trying to figure out what the fuck is going on then Richie comes down Okay. poor Richie man he was screaming at this lad asking for papers which he didn't have so everything was completely illegal um, guards uh, came down um, guards started talking to your man no, and this is one thing I'll say now. I usually try to have some kind of sympathy for guards. My mother was a guard, right? And there is dickhead guards out there, and my mum will be the first to say it, there is, but these lads were fucking cunts. Mm. The first thing they started doing is talking to your man, and they were absolutely fine and dandy talking to him. They were probably this close away from getting a coffee for him, and I could hear your man being like, um, what is he saying? He's like, oh, Jesus, yeah, no, I... I didn't mean it to go down like this, where he's then, sh- you know, just before that shouting at all of us saying he doesn't give a fuck about our gear. He's were to get out 10 minutes locking up and that's it. We're not yeah. seeing it again. Or st- shit to that fucking nature. Um, I tried to ask the guards because the guards were just kind of trying to move us along because, you know, you, you'd forget there's a fucking pandemic when something like that happens, you know. Mm. 
How many um, bands are in there, Ev, roughly, like? I, 30, maybe 30, more. Okay. I don't know, like, there's a lot of rooms and there's might be two bands, three bands per room. Okay. But, um, yeah, there was, like, like, the guards were just, you know, I tried to ask a question. What I wanted to know was, um, they were saying, look, whatever, leave your gear, get out of here. And I was like, well, if I leave my gear here, am I just prolonging the inevitable of me having to, because we got Alex Vinci um, to come down with the van. Thank God oh, for right. him, you know, because like, mm. you have to organize stuff when this shit starts happening. You have to get on it quick. So people had like vans coming in and out. Um, I was just trying to like calmly ask if I leave this stuff here, there's no lock on this door now, you know, and Dublin Hill isn't exactly the fucking safest area to be leaving stuff without the lock as well, to be fair. And but I couldn't even get two sentences out or, or two words out. And the guard is like, I've given you an answer. And I was like, I haven't even asked my question. And he just keeps fucking snapping at me and blah, blah. And like looking for arguments with people. Then he starts going on about like, he's going to fucking, they're going to start slapping fines on us. Like, and he can go fuck himself. Like the only fucking fine slap would be my hand off his mother's arse at this stage. Like what? How old is this guard? Was he an old guy or was he young enough? I'd say... 40s like they're All not right, young okay. like between yeah, like late 30s like mid 40s kind of thing mm. absolutely no help um they were they were saying even when they were talking to your man that caused this absolute lunacy was just like look i'd say it's best if you head on there was no animosity towards him whatsoever mm. even though he's the fucking reason that everyone now is coming down in this big massive um panic and the other thing as well is he's going telling people that Richie hasn't paid the rent in four years which and obviously that'll start spreading which that is bullshit that's not fucking true at all you know Mm -hmm. and I've heard from a few people saying messaging me being like oh do you hear Richie hasn't paid rent in four years bullshit the issue is is that during COVID some people haven't been able to pay it the landlord didn't lower the rent like a lot of other places are doing so when people aren't working, you know, can't pay, Richie is fucking, he's just so good to all of us. Like, Richie is like, you know, he might be a little behind because um, some bands can pay all, others can't. Like, we, we're lucky that we're all working. We just pay on time every time. And this lad is just sends down the fucking goons, starts busting open the door. Um, no communication with Richie. Uh, there was all this shit said that... Um, Richie was supposed to be in court that morning and Richie didn't show up. That's not true at all. Do you know what I mean? Like these lads were just going on the war path to try have people turn on Richie. Do you know what I mean? And you could see by Richie, this is the fucking first he's hearing of any of this, you know? Mm. And the only thing that I know now that has come from Richie is that he is talking to the landlord Richie's getting it sorted. Richie's getting the arrear sorted in whatever way he can. Um, and he's trying to get the place back up and operational um, as soon as possible. I think the main thing is that I just don't want rumors spreading um, mm-hmm. like thick, and which naturally will happen because, you know, a panic yeah. situation like that, people aren't thinking properly. But what happened um, on Monday night was fucking disgraceful. Like, Absolutely. And the fact that when a lad comes down, bursts open the door with no papers and tells the guard, oh, I'm just, I'm just this. No real fucking questioning whatsoever. 
really yeah. not that much is just he's the landlord's bro- brother is it that's apparently that's apparently, that's yeah. what he's saying you know like no papers no nothing the lock um like there's a big industrial lock that you need fingerprint recognition to get in is burst on the floor do you know there's people coming in and out people scared out of their fucking minds mm. thinking that they're never going to get their gear back and all this stuff and then when the guards are saying to leave it or you can leave it there people too scared to leave it there and this also lock, there's yeah. like 100 150 people in and out of here all within half an hour you know Fuck. fucking but it's actually it's fucking disgraceful like mm. like oh and um, there's uh, Tom out of Fred's then offered up his place for people to store gear as well. What a legend. Yeah. yeah. Anyone that um, in, like, didn't have anywhere to store gear, because there's a lot of people that are only using it for storage. Uh, Tom and Fred's was like, you know, you, we can organize times for bands to come in and leave it up um, upstairs in Fred's in yeah. the venue. Yeah. He made it, he, he, we've made it very clear. It's like, you can't practice there. Cause there was a few people that said it to me being like, wouldn't you ask Tom if you can practice in Fred's? And I was like, do you honestly think the guards are just going to walk past Fred's and hear us playing and be like that? Oh yeah. They're clearly live there. Like, but some cheek on the fucking owner of it though. Yes. Wanting what to if, charge yeah. rent for somewhere when people can't use it. Like, yeah, you know, absolutely. There's a yeah. similar thing going on up here where there's a rehearsal place and the guys having to close it down because the people who own it are charging full rent. Yeah, and, yeah. Like obviously bands can't use it. No one's going in. It's just fucking. Well, that's the thing. Like I've, like luckily I'm able to go up on my own. But it's still within my. It's literally on the cusp of my five k. I'm able to go in on my own. You know, one person per room, and everyone's been very good with that. And I'm. We're still paying our rent regardless of using it or not because at the end of the day you know we're paying Richie like it's like if we're like look we can't do it but you know then Richie's fucked and then you're leaving a place fucked do you know what I mean mm. but uh, I bet you the wanker man who owns the place is getting assistance from the government as well so he's looking to get full rent off bands who aren't able to use the place and also getting assistance from the state you know feeding the poor mouth like. I wouldn't be surprised man by the way he went about that I wouldn't be surprised of any foul play. That's is that the first again. time that has ever happened? Was there any issues before? No, not not that I know of, and okay. definitely nothing um, to that level. No, I know well, obviously of, to that level, yeah. But yeah, there's I, you know, like there has. I'm sure there's been times uh, where you know not many bands are paying rent or behind or something, and it it's a lot of stress on Richie. Mm. But I mean, nothing to that. Um, magnitude and I mean yeah. Richie has been there for did someone say nearly 20 I don't know if it's 20 years but it's a fucking he's been there a long time and well, it's it's that thing as well if, if that place goes exactly because I yeah. you know I was freaking straight away by the man the way your man was talking like instantly being like like I can't lose like a place to play drums where the fuck do I go mm. but you know then like you kind of calm down and you're like right let's see what the fuck is going on and fair play to Richie he stayed out there I still don't know if he's actually left since um, he stayed out there if anyone wants to go out with any gear Richie is there Richie will go and talk to you um, I've called Richie just to see how he is um, like he's you know he's up front he's talking to everyone if anyone has any questions feel free to get on him he sent out like group text there today just as an update on things but fucking disgraceful like and the whole thing pff, your man's 
that that uh, brother lad is there's nothing going to be said to him like nothing nothing at all Richie is still um, it's still Richie's place you know and there's going to be no breaking and entering or anything like that there's no criminal damage or, or anything you know the man was nearly given a fucking cup of coffee and he was then the next day was back in driving in and out of the car park just looking like you know Jesus Christ yeah, there's not much, there's no alternative really for, for bands around, is there? There's very, 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 lot, not enough for all of the bands. You yeah. know? And that's mm-hmm. the real, real, that would be the real worry. And yeah. I'd have full faith in Richie now to be able to kind of get it together. But I mean, after that kind of thing, like it's understandable for bands to be afraid, being like, well, mm-hmm. is this is this okay to leave? stuff up there like is that going to happen again and yeah which See, is that's, it, the, that's the cloud that's what, that'll be over it yeah but that's it but that's what you're that was the whole plan with them just fucking scare tactics do you know what i mean poor rich you know man, what i mean freaking like who's to say like a gofundme page wouldn't sort the whole fucking thing out either you know well this is it there's been there's a few people have mentioned something like that do you know like i'm not going to say the amount um mm. do you know yeah but I heard some people saying it was like 120,000 or 150,000. It's not that. Can't be that fucking much. Sure. <clears throat> Tell you what, though, like, you need to be of the opinion that, like, why would you want to give money to someone who's willing to do something like that? Ridiculous, like, you know? Mm. Right. Um, I sent on a few songs for you to review. And uh, we'll see how you get on. So the first one up is a band called Brain Donation. The song is Hopeless Shit. And the band consists of Dan on guitars, Alan on bass, Ollie on drums. They formed in 2015 and they're from Dublin. They've toured Ireland, UK and Eastern Europe, funnily enough, promoting two EPs and two singles. Uh, the movie is the first full-length offering from them and it's coming out on June the 17th. And as I said, Hopeless Shit is the single off it that's going to be released on March the 25th. Uh, it was mastered by Ivan Jackman at Hellfire Studios. So the song addresses nightclub lurking, catcalling, and strip club culture by their proper title, Hopeless Shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, man. Anyway, we'll give it a spin and see what you think. you 
Okay. Um, I'm here in Queens at the Stone Age off this. Um, it's quite catchy. Um, but anyway, I'll leave it on to the experts. Uh, we'll go with you first, Daniel. Um, it, I couldn't. I, when I first heard it, I was like, this reminds me of a song and I can't think of it. And it literally just came to me there. song by Marcy's Playground coming up from behind. Um, yeah, I think it's quite catchy. When I first heard it, I was like, oh, I don't know what to make this. But as it went on, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to, to hear more from these guys. Um, there's something unusual about them. And I thought it was the, the riff was really cool. Um, so yeah, yeah um, I'll be interested to see more. Okay. Uh, I actually really liked it. It uh, reminds me of uh, a band from Dublin, New Secret Weapon. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's cool. It's got that kind of like deserty vibe to it. Um, yeah. It's, it, you know, it's actually nice to get tunes like this that aren't, um, you know, that are a bit different to everything else. Like I'd say, I have a feeling as well they'll be great crack live. You know, I really yeah. feel like they they'd be a band that uh, I I'd love to go with Howard. Like <laughs> straight away, <laughs> I was like, that's a band. Now I'd go down with Howard and sink a few points to. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I actually enjoyed that a lot. Mm. Yeah. Joe? Yeah, pretty good. Um the band it reminded me of was Blur, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I can hear that. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Especially the guitars. There was definitely because I suppose whenever you think of Queens of the Stone Age, you think of that kind of you know, Nick Colavari type distorted bass kind of yes. mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And it was a wee bit more understated, so I thought it was good. Um I guess again it's one of those things, isn't it, where um I don't know, did it did anyone think it sounded particularly like Irish or European? Like it's, I thought it was very American sounding. Oh, it was very American. American so, yeah, yeah, blur, yeah. But... yeah. Mm. no, I was definitely had that American um, swag to it. All right, it definitely didn't yeah. have a. Well, in saying that, like I think, yeah, they're like the American version of New Secret Weapon because even though New Secret Weapon do have that sound, there's still a lot of like Irishism mm. in in their yeah. song. Right? They're like newer yeah, Secret Weapon. You were super <laughs> <laughs> one of those things as well. It's kind of like, I don't know. Like, it, it, it's hard to get annoyed by listening to something like that, you know? It's yeah, catchy. Yeah. It's not It's not trying to hurt your ears. It's not in your face. <laughs> like, That's yeah. not what you can say about some of our other choices today. It's coming. Okay, so on to the next one. So we all yeah. enjoy that. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so that was brain donation. Uh, what should you get the name, actually? Brain donation. Brain donation or hopeless yeah. shit? I think brain donation is a shit name. It's yeah. not. It's not. I wouldn't but, expect um, brain donation to sound like that. Doesn't roll off the tongue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think hopeless shit would be a better band name. <laughs> I def- If I saw that in a poster, I'd go, to I'd go to fucking anything. I think brain donation sounds like a yeah. punk band. Yeah. 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 It does. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, so the next band are Caged, and uh, they're on Cursed Monk Records. It's Ryan on guitars, John on vocals, Tim on drums, Tyler on bass, and Joe on mixer and turntables. Well done, Joe. Good to see you involved. <laughs> <Brunch and I. laughs> uh, <laughs> so they were formed out of the ashes of a Philadelphia sludge band called Black Urn. Caged right away by Sludge, Death, Doom on their first EP. Uh, stricken by continuance. Crawling corrosive riffs are responsible for the meat of the release, laying out a backdrop for vocalist John Jones, whose scream adds another layer of misery to the EP. So we'll give this a listen. Um, <laughs> sounds great, anyway. <laughs> 
Trees are the oldest living things on earth. You know that? They say some are over 4,000 years old. Someday they'll This tree will die. And so will you. Maybe you won't die of old age like her.
Yeah, um, I really like this. Um, I wasn't sure at first, but um, I love the double bass in it as well. Um, I'm not sure what Joe does on the turntables, but um, he's there. That might be the that might be the wrong song for it. (laughs) If I was in that band, I'd be listening to Dire Straits on the turntables. <laughs> on stage like, during the gig. Like. <laughs> okay, Joe, you will start with you then. Not really my thing at all. Uh huh. Not really. economical amount of riffs, one mm. note per second kind of stuff. Like again, I suppose the production is pretty good. You know, to like try and stay positive on it. Um, but like I find that I find all those kind of vocals really kind of hard to get into. You know. Yeah. And I know some bands kind of like especially hardcore bands who kind of incorporate a bit of that and it works really well. But it's like, if it's the whole way through and it's like that, it's kind of, it's hard for me anyway as a player to get into it. Mm. Okay. I just fucking loved it. Um, the second you were <laughs> I was like, yeah, sold. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was class. And the second I seen it was called Curse Monk Records, I knew I'd like it anyway. I like what, um, everything that Roger mm. does. So um, yeah. I really, as you mentioned, the double bass that really caught me off guard as yeah. well. I wasn't expecting that, um, and I really enjoyed it. Mm. And I listened to one or two more of their tunes, and I thought they were really, really good. So I'm definitely going to check them out. One thing I don't know this could be my laziness. I probably I didn't look into it, but for those type of bands where you can't make out what they're singing from listening to it, I think it should be they should make an effort to put up their lyrics. Um, no, I'm not saying this band mm. hasn't, but it's just a point. Um, I'd be interested to see what yeah. they're actually not singing, but kind of about. playing about. <laughs> I'd actually love to, to yeah. know. But um, a band, a band like that, if you brought them to Ireland, they do, they'd get, oh, they'd they get a lot really, of attention. Yeah. They would, yeah. yeah, they'd be great. Yeah. Okay, Ev, I think I'd be very similar to Joe. I think, like, just the kind of doom, like the riffs. I think the production and everything is actually a lot better than a lot of the other um, kind of doom bands that we've got. But, um, and you know, there's kind of that cool um, Southern style to it, but it just gets very, um, you know, if, if that section comes in with like from a a faster part, it'll, for me, will hit more, Mm. but I'm like, I just doom stuff. I like, I find it very hard to sit through i couldn't listen to a full album of it like but my thing is again like they play they do an irish tour now they'll be people will fucking love them mm. i think in ireland there's a massive thing for doom oh, yeah. i'm just i'm just not one of them and yeah. i'm aware of it as well so yeah okay that's cool i don't um, smoke weed anymore either so maybe that's a fucking don't issue, smoke weed like. really Mm, no, it, uh, I enjoyed it anyway, regardless of week or not. But I kept going, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Have, a, have a J watching, watching them play cool, live. Actually, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the third act is a well-established band called Mark and Catralel is the band's fifth album. So it's Norwegian for Cathedral. And it sees the band pushing new creative frontiers with a more dynamic approach to song composition and expanded breadth to the riffs, melodies, weaving new masterpiece. The result is a true personal work of intense spiritual catharsis for main man Thomas Erickson. So he's um, the singer. And the concept behind the title, they said, is actually an old one. He'd lain around since the early days of Mark. I always had a vision of a vast, desolate, cold and dead land and a gigantic cathedral where lost souls are kept for all eternity. Mayo. Wow. So, 
I'm glad you like that, Joe. So since their creation in 2004, <laughs> Mark has rightly earned the accolade as one of the top Norwegian black metal acts of recent years, receiving strong endorsements from their peers. So the, the album will be released on CD, Gatefold, Black Vinyl, and Digital True Peaceful on the 5th of March. So shout out to Thomas, who sent me the track, and Simon Glacken of For The Last PR. Did any of you see the video? No? No, no, I just got the tracks that you sent. Okay, um, yep. all the lads are in corpse paint. Um, so it's a really have. great, I really enjoyed it as um, a blackened metal song. Uh, this, there was a strong chorus in it and the singing, and they didn't ruin it with unnecessarily blast beats would be my take on that. Because I absolutely love blast beats as you are.
Yeah, no, I was, I was a few days ago when I listened to it, but um, I thought the the drum pattern kind of at the start is a bit like Iron Maiden, but um, I'm kind of the same as you. Black metal is kind of new to me, um, but that's kind of accessible black metal, isn't it? Really, um, yeah, definitely. But yeah, yeah the, again, not my thing. But um, in Nor in Norway, it's funny that there's still people turning out black metal. You think it's all done before, but was kind of a new take on it. Yeah, and the old corpse paint and actually singing. Yeah. You know, I, I I was just keen to hear, like Jack is obviously yeah. mega aware of this crowd, you know, so he will be watching with interest on our uh, opinions on him. Um, I would say, Joe, you enjoyed him, did you? A bit of creator going on um, there as well. A wee bit. Yeah, like I think a lot of these bands, uh, Scandinavian bands like that, or even like bands like Watian and stuff, they're really into that kind of motorhead uh, kind of drum mm. sound or you know like early Sodom uh, mm. early destruction yeah. um, with like rock and roll so it's kind of ne- like nearly you know someone mixed rock and roll with this kind of Black proto and, thrash yeah. kind of stuff it's not really like my cup of tea musically and stuff um, again I think the vocals are an acquired taste mm. but um, it's definitely definitely a lot more palatable than a lot of that other sort of stuff uh, from the same kind of scene you know yeah definitely 100% yeah Ev yeah, I'd actually fully agree with Joe. Um, I don't like black metal at all. But, you know, having listened to so much of it, even here, and, I've, you know, 
same with Zoom. Like, there's a lot of people around us that love it. So you, I've been trying to listen to more of it, and they would like they're a decent black metal band. You know, they're good at what they do, but it's just not. Um, it's just not for me. I'm fucking mm. wasted on me. Like, do you think like a lot of those black metal bands? Um... Like from the start, like a lot of the, I found a lot of them were just unlistenable. Do you think? Oh yeah, and I think that was the vibe. Yeah, though. a lot of yeah. it sounds like it's recorded through a sock or something like a dirty sock. They probably, yeah. probably was recorded through a sock, but you can get a fucking plug in for that yeah. now. Like dirty sock. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? It's merely like I think a lot of people who are massively into that kind of style of metal uh, don't really listen to like they're not going to be listening to Queens of the Stone Age or you know. No, it's very like, like once it, you're in, you're in. Like for yeah. like, that's you know, there's some people that's not the case at all. But there oh, is like the, I feel like black metal probably have some of the most diehard fans of all yeah. genres. You know, like once you're in, you're in. It's a blood oath. There's a bit yeah. in that. Um, did anyone watch the the movie, the Netflix movie there that was kind of lambasted from last year? Um, about. Oh. Uh, Oh, your man. One of the Culkins. Was it, oh, was yeah, in... Macaulay Culkin's brother yeah. was in it or whatever. But there's a bit in it whenever they're in like a takeaway shop and one of the guys goes up to talk to him and he's like wearing scorpions patch on his jacket. He's like, I can't talk to you because you like the scorpions. That's, sort of, <laughs> <laughs> that's the ethos. Like, it's kind of like oh, one of those. Wait, yeah. of... Is, that the, is that the movie about. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I actually really enjoyed that movie. But it's weird, isn't it? It's like ideological music like it's like mm. straight edge punk or like you know mm-hmm. super you know politicized hardcore the unless you're 100 percent in on the ethos then oh, the yeah you're not yeah. allowed like yeah. anything else yeah. yeah i can suck my fucking dick anyway like, yeah I dude, like. yeah but like again the likes of a track like mark i'd imagine if i heard that whenever that scene was around is it nearly 20 years ago oh, yeah probably would be would it would be Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I heard them back 20 years ago, I'd be like going, yeah, because I liked my Celtic Frost, as you said, early Sodom creator. Yeah, it, you know, that, that would make perfect sense to me. Back yeah, I, like, again, ago. I think they're good at what they do. You know, I, I think they're definitely um, good at what they do. Again, it's just not my yeah. bag of socks. Like, Okay, cool. Um, let me see. Okay, so the next one is one of the lads from God Loan. Shout out to Keen. This is Uncultivates. He kind of caught us on the hop. Were any of you aware of this EP? No, not at all. The little yeah. bollocks. <laughs> so Keen is with God Loan and Red Sun Alert if you've been living underground for the last five years. And um, there's a few lads involved. Jake as well plays saxophone. On is Dylan drumming with them? Track and Dylan is involved yeah, as well, yeah. yes. Um, the EP is called I've Lost Count of the Number of Times I've Been Set on Fire and this is the title track
Yeah, short and sweet. Um, Ev, over to you. I absolutely love this. It's very like um, kind of old Converge. Even in Keane's voice, there's a like that kind of like um, not like you know that struggly Jacob Bannon kind of sounds to it. Like it's just fucking class. Like I think everything that Keane touches is gold. And to be honest, like if it if I didn't like this, I'd absolutely say it. But mm. he knocked it out of the park. I've listened to the three tracks on this. I don't know how many times since it came out and he did just completely catch us off guard sounds unreal like he's he's going to be something you know <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just it's great like it's just really 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 good mm. okay. I really don't know what else to say about yeah. it it just sounds fucking sick yeah um, the other two tracks are called Dread First and Mental Snake as well uh, Danielle? Uh, it wasn't for me. Um, I'm a yeah. huge God Alone fan, but um, mm-hmm. I don't know, it was just a bit too much going on for me. Um, but there's elements of it I enjoy. I think there was, at the start, I kind of got a, a system of a down kind of a vibe off of it. Um, mm. But yeah, no, it, it wouldn't be for me. Um, I'd be scared now if I was at a gig and the commotion, I can, just, I can almost feel the sweat. The I can feel like the, the, the sweat coming off the ceiling and everything like that. I'd say it'd be chaos. Um, oh, it so, sounds brilliant. Yeah, but um, yeah, not for me. Okay, cool. Joe? Um, yeah, pretty good. Uh, it reminded me of Brutal Truth for some reason. Okay. Um, obviously not really blasty and stuff. Mm. I suppose the vocals wouldn't really be my thing, but like really, really like the guitar sound and like the drums, and it sounded pretty ferocious. So it's probably good live. Yeah, ferocious is one word yeah, that stuck definitely. with me as well. Yeah, um, and it's loose. I think it's loose yep. as well. Um, very loose. I think that's and kind I, of the vibe of it as yeah, well. Yeah, like I admire that. You know, because the tone's really, it sounds really kind of like played live in the studios like Evan you'd probably agree it's kind of like whenever you hear those kind of like hi-hats and all you can tell that it's all really really there you know it's yeah, like, it's, yeah you're getting the room in there as well yeah. like yeah so it turned out that whole side of it was great like you know and again like see doing this I'm just like so blown away by how many of these like young up-and-coming bands and stuff have great production on like you know first demos first EPs all that kind of stuff it's amazing I think they did it I presume they did it in the School of Music Um, I'm just presuming that's where they did it now because they're all um, in the School of Music but uh, like the I think even the production choice on that was absolutely intentional you know yeah like I'd say that was very well thought out of what way they wanted that to sound you know Mm. sounds great though there's a compilation on YouTube that came out, well, not originally on YouTube, but it was an Irish metal compilation from the 80s called Green Metal. And it's like all the, <laughs> okay. you know, bands Somebody who are shared that music. on something. But man, hell, like, see whenever you listen to it, like there's these bands who might have been good bands, but Jesus, the production the is so bad. That, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's like, there's not even one of the songs that sounds halfway like a bad Thin Lizzy album. Like it's all, yeah, yeah. It, mm. like the bands were being totally destroyed by having really bad production you know so it's great that bands now can just go out and sound as good as like a big band you know and can release it without any record label or anything like that just throw it out digitally there you go yeah it's cool okay um, the last band of the night is actually a solo project it's Ocean Puncher what do you think of that name Danielle? 
that before we came on air, it sounds like some girl fisting herself. (laughs) 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 Oh, my mother's not listening to this episode. I was just about to say, when you said that, I could see you were like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble now, and they're making me say, you fucking said it. I was, I'm glad you brought that up, Richie, because when you Ooh, said that earlier, yeah. I lost it as well. Like, Jesus Christ. Okay, so Ocean Puncher is, <laughs> is Keith Hines. Shout out to Keith. He's living in Cork. He's originally from Carlow. Uh, Keith said about the idea, it's, he's never been a fan of traditional music theory when it comes to how a song is arranged. For him, he says he prefers it out to be more like a musical story, letting the song weave in and out of itself instead of the usual predictable verse, chorus, verse. He says he tries to steer the listener in a certain direction and manipulate how they're feeling while listening to certain parts. He is into music production and has his own home studio where he writes, performs, mixes and masters his own music. Okay, so we'll give this a blast and see what you think. Okay, who's the biggest gamer here? Uh, Joe? Not a big gamer, but um, yeah, I like this. It's a, definitely part of that kind of, you know, Carpenter Blunt and Perturbator and Zombie and stuff like that. So, like, they're obviously big John Carpenter fans and, you know, those mm. is quite admirable. A lot of those bands who do that kind of style, they're very much just aping the 70s and 80s soundtracks. So yeah. it'll, it'll be a lot of, like, Prophets, Fights, <laughs> Synths and Drums and stuff. Whereas these guys are definitely doing a bit more, um, there's more guitar and stuff in it, you know? But mm-hmm. it, like, I find it weird. It's kind of a strange thing because like bands who are into this scene, like they're, they're not like being influenced by other bands. They're being influenced by movies and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of weird. It's like the idea that, you know, 
there's a whole bunch of you know people who love Big Trouble Little China are going to their gigs or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. good. Yeah, no, it's a very, it's a very valid point. Yeah, um, like I'm just trying. Yeah, John Carpenter obviously is um, definitely a massive influence on that, and yeah. anyone that has the soundtracks to a lot of his movies. Um, yeah, you can see the influence there, Daniel. Yeah, I like that kind of techno work kind of stuff, and I really like like Golgotha. Um, so mm. I enjoyed it, and I, and I did like the fact that they, it's not it, it's not very heavily synth either. It's it's a kind of um, got the guitars in there too. So I kind of like to hear um, where they'll go next because I think they can take it to the next level. It's just Keith by himself, did you say? Is it? Yeah, that's. Yeah. Um, I think it's really impressive that that's just one person as well. Um, so I think it's kind of almost slower version of uh, some of Golgotha's stuff. But, um, yeah, there's a little scene kind of sprouting yeah. up there. Yeah, so, yeah. Let's see, Ev. Um, I think, like, as a standalone, like just <laughs> music, I I really feel that, um, like that would go great for again, like you know, a video game kind of. Like I can see it straight away where it's like you know. The, like just before like an old like Nintendo fight scene where they kind of come in like half thing where they're like <laughs> you know that that kind of thing but like as an actual standalone like just listening to it as a song it's it wouldn't be for me I think like if he made that like if he was commissioned to make that for a game or for a movie or something it's very soundtrack rather than an actual release if that makes sense like as mm. in he, did a great job but I feel like I I'm on the menu of a video game and I'm not I just you know like my screen's not working I can't see it do you know what I mean but I can hear it kind of thing like or it's like if I fell asleep on the menu of a game or something do you know what I mean but mm. it's just and you know stuff like that that kind of music is great but this doesn't feel like a a song on it as a standalone thing, it does feel like it was meant for something like specifically meant for something like that. Yeah, I suppose that's that is definitely something that's kind of you see in soundtrack bands like that, you know, people who are writing those kind of moodscapes and stuff. And I yeah. think you're 100% on, man. It's like, you know, if you're listening to Yes or one of those yeah. kind of bands, you need the album cover to kind of like to know what these guys are doing. And it's the same with this, you, you really need the visuals as well as the music, you know. Yeah, like it's it's great what he did, but I I really feel like that should be a video and um song like that should be that should encompass the two together if you're gonna take it in fully. Like, hmm. should um, the likes of these artists then be played on the metal cell? Yeah, fucking play whoever you want, man. I, yeah, I like no, no, I'm just I'm just throwing it like, out there because. There is a scene there where there is a, a, a there is a crossover. Oh, definitely. They they, they play um, festivals. Oh, like, so, like yeah. I seen Carpenter Bruce was playing at um, Hellfest, Percolator was playing um, some big festivals, and they're on like I seen Carpenter Brute in Barcelona, and uh, it was like this kind of weird dancing mosh pit that was happening. It was awesome. <laughs> like it was so much fun. Um, yeah. It was class. Like... Yeah. So you you definitely like. But there's a crossover with metalheads like in gaming <laughs> resulting yeah, in this much, yeah. uh, kind of music as well mm. so 
Yeah, I think even like if some of us aren't into it, I f- see no reason whatsoever not to shine the light on it. Do you know what I mean? And that's a, that's something that's weird about metal like that, in the sense that um, you know, there's certainly a lot of um, you know, you know, things like those horror soundtracks, like Goblin and stuff, where like the yeah, soundtracks yeah. all fiddles, you know. <laughs> but you see people who are at the gig moshing, you know. So it's like, it, it, like metal metal people do have a massive. Uh, appetite for that and you know back in the 90s and stuff like bands like um, Pit Shifter and um, The Prodigy and like yeah. the bands who are real you know like really alternative music but not kind of guitar based was yeah. really really big and I'd like to see more of that in metal you know yeah, yeah definitely because it's it's not it's it's not what's normal now either you know so if anyone's going to do something you know, if anyone's going to do something that's uh, like, I, I'll commend them because no one sent in any kind of track like that before, you know? Yep. So fair play for him for doing that. If more people, rather than it just be, because fucking hell, I don't want to listen to any more Doom. And, I do. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. offense to anyone, but, yeah, yeah, but yeah. that's it. Like, you know, like, give me, put me out of my comfort zone completely with something like that. Whether I like it or not, it's more, it's good to know that it is actually happening, like, to, that it's not just like, four scenes that stay away from each other that there is more and then someone else can hear this now and be like fuck that Evan lad he's completely wrong which I probably am but it's my uh, opinion I, I'm you know whatever but no as I know, said someone I, else might get something no, great as I said I, I definitely championed Golgotha <laughs> and I think um, more I think Ocean Butcher is one of the best names I've heard in a long time as well <laughs> I well, love that. Like, I think Daniel's kind of put a different spin no, on it. No, it's actually a really cool name. <laughs> I actually really like it. Yeah. It's a great name. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> okay, that's great, lads. Fair play. We got all of them in. Um, there was nothing horrendous. So we will move on to the main topic of the night, which is record labels. Bad deals and good deals. I'm wearing this top, actually, because I think I'll start it off with this. It's a fleet burner. So I had him on the Smashing Skull sessions. Kevin Storm is his name. So it was a solo project and he got in um, this fantastic singer from America to sing with the band. Um, And the singer basically was into Journey and a few other rock bands. But the album is absolutely fucking brilliant. Okay, so he just put up a post um, last week about how his album did, right? And from the period of July 2020 to December 2020, right? The digital money he made off the album was 50 euros and 51 cents, okay? So the physical copy was 1,945. So the total royalties was 1,995 euros and 60 cents, right? So then the deductions, so the manufacturing costs were 2,558. The marketing and promotion costs were 272 euros 50. And mechanicals and distribution costs were 501. So that came to 3,332 euros, which left them in the rate of 1,336 euros, right? What he said on his post was the pat of the honest musician is what he termed it. On digital rewards, he says, only three years work, thousands of money invested, rave reviews has amounted to a total profit of 50 euros. That's on digital, as I said. That's including 20,000 streams on Spotify alone. 
I don't think I feel the urge to write a new Fleet Burner album soon. I can rant, rave and rage, but I just wanted to share this. Physical sales for Fleet Burner, have a look. This is not including the thousands I invested from my pocket. No, this is theft on all accounts. And we did this to ourselves, he said. I promise to never hype this anymore. Get the album now has never done anything for me. Buy the shirt has only got me into trouble and stream it on your favorite platform. Got rave reviews and tons of people asking if I want to pay them to do an interview. If it's quiet on my socials, it's because I've lost my voice screaming into the void. I requested the label to have the rights back so I could post it online for free. So that was Kevin Storm of Fleet Burner. That's so depressing. Isn't it? Yeah. I think one of the nicest guys I've ever met on this show. Let it be said as well. Yeah, you got a lot. Like, I think the whole thing of labels as well now is like um, with different levels of label. Like, you know, like say 10 years ago, if a band signed to something, it was like you like a label, like you have a label. You must be fucking unbelievable. Whereas now it's a totally different thing. Like a lot of um, smaller um, labels might just be fronting a small bit of uh, distribution or, you know, like just helping out with a few costs or a few small things. But like there's some bands that end up in the shittiest situation. Like there was, I know um, the first one that comes to mind is like, do you know Glassjaw? Yeah. yeah. I heard of them. And this will probably be like with Roadrunner, like the amount of bands that have had serious issues with Roadrunner. But basically like... um whatever they had like massive issues with roadrunner that the band nearly broke up that when they play gigs any song anytime they play any song off the first album they're begging people to illegally download it because they don't want any money for um for roadrunner i think what happened was to get them out of the deal i think it was ross robinson bought out their contract so he could move them to Warner Brothers but it's funny now because I think Warner Brothers have actually bought out Roadrunner if I'm right I think someone's after or yeah Warner, I think Warner Brothers bought out so all that catalog comes with them yeah so it's just like completely come back around now like yeah. there's a lot of Irish bands as well like I know um, Red Enemy when they released their album with uh, Media Scare Media Scare did fuck all when it came to actually getting that album out. They were kind of putting the back burner. Um, I know I remember seeing ages ago. Uh, Media Scare just posted like one of the songs being like, "Oh, Red Enemy, whatever." And Jordo, who was the guitarist in Red Enemy, the one comment underneath it was bit late lads like you know the lads have gone and formed the scratch since by the time that the fucking yeah. lads start sharing shit properly about it like it's fucking it's such a joke Joe mm. um, the thing that probably like I find mad about that was um, whenever he was listening off all the stuff the uh, advertising and promotion costs was 200 euro like or whatever mm. you know that's like there's yeah. where the in my mind that's where the big problem is you know if you were going to make a movie Nowadays, people would spend at least half the budget of the movie again promoting it, you know? And that's the problem. Like, well, it's not the only problem, but that's a huge problem 
with all this sort of stuff is like what you were saying, Evan, smaller labels are happy to bring stuff out, but they, they don't, they either don't want to, or they don't have the, the financial situation really to be able to go yeah. and uh, properly support these people. And like not being an arsehole here, but uh, nobody has a God given right to make a living out of playing music, you know, and the market is the defining factor of, you know, what, uh, what sinks and what doesn't and stuff. Like Gamma Bomb have been in 360 deals before, you know, and it is a total nightmare and stuff. But like every single band who's ever, you know, gone and done all that sort of stuff will tell you that like we, we have that situation. You know what you were talking about, uh, Evan, with Peaceful. We have that exact same situation with Eric, you know, where they're taking our albums offline or they won't talk to us, etc. And they've done it to a whole bunch of albums or other bands. But you kind of have to just fucking take that as, right, this is the shit side of the business, you know? And the good side of it is playing yeah, gigs yeah. and free beer and, you know, being creative and stuff. So I would definitely feel awful for the dude that he doesn't feel like he wants to make more music because of this. But It's completely ripped and that his sucks, soul. But like a lot of the bands who are on Invictus like, and yeah. Dara's label and stuff like that, they don't, they'll just be like, we're not putting our stuff on Spotify because we can't get a shirt for a dig. So, so they'll only do stuff on vinyl or tape where they know they're going to see a return. But um, it's a, it's a totally yeah, yeah. shit situation, and it's been going on since you know <laughs> since day one. Yeah. So yeah. Well, that's Daniel, it. Like, I mean, you, you see think? people. Are, sorry, Daniel, go away. Go away. <laughs> go away. <laughs> sorry, Daniel, go away. Go there, away. Yeah, like I suppose I don't have a whole pile of um, experience in this area and not being in a band and all that, but. Um, uh, I think it's interesting because before, maybe a year or two ago, I would have been like what you said, Evan. If somebody got signed, I would have been like, "Oh my god, that's the biggest thing in the world." And now it's coming to light that getting signed isn't exactly you haven't made it if you got signed. And yeah, it's it's, it's all about. I think a lot of it's luck as well, really, isn't it? Okay. There's different versions of being signed. Yeah. As well, you know, depending depending on the label. I think years and years ago. If you got signed, it was like right, you're massive. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, it's it's not. That's not really the case. You know, there's. Um, I remember even in college, there was one thing like when we were going over like uh, things to look out for in contracts, and the one thing that like I remember just being like, "Fucking hell!" I never thought of that. Is like, say if you're doing, which there was a stage where people were doing a lot of like digital only releases through a label. And there would be a a ten percent um, kind of damage insurance thing, but with that, that's been in uh, a lot of contracts for years and years and years. And basically, what that is is like, if you're shipping, um, if you're shipping off uh, CDs or vinyls or whatever, and some of them break, there's like a ten percent clause that the label have to take back. But if you're doing like a digital only release, there is no reason yeah. to have this. Yeah. that they can come back and take that but it's just left in it because it's just like I, I don't know if it still is now like but there was a a, a big while where that's just an ind- industry standard and there was a lot of bands that did get um kind of caught with that like you know they're just more so excited to see it's like oh yeah you know we're, we're signed to a label now and it's like well they're just robbed some money off you for a thing that doesn't exist just in case it breaks yeah it's not do you know what I mean like the, the percentages it's like 
Ten um, percent of bands, you know, who've been around for you know a year or two or whatever, will en- end up going on to be signed. And out of those ten percent of bands who do get signed, ten percent of those will end up either making money or making a living or whatever. You know, it's not like like in the music industry, most of the people who make a living do it through you know working in uh, advertising or you know whatever. It's not really, and I guess it's it, that's the whole that's the fucked up thing for me is that you know. How are how are bands going to continue? Like, why why would I choose to make ten or fifteen grand a year playing in a band when I can, you know, have a, a decent job, you know? And you know, the the, the whole mm-hmm. thing of becoming a millionaire and buying a swim pool and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I was Down. just looking yeah. at it from. You know, we were on about Macedon there, and the standard royalty deal. We'll say I just went went at that, and looked at the figures, you know, for so for standard royalty deal with a label, the company gives them, as you all know, a chunk of money that goes into their bank account in advance, we'll say, yeah. that keeps them financially afloat while they record the album. In addition to fronting the money, the label gets to own the recordings on that album, known as the mass yeah. recordings, along with any revenue those masters generate through sales and streams, right? So I just worked it out for, we'll say, Macedon, we'll say, as an example, so the label gives the artist 100,000 advance and it costs, say, 20,000 to record the album. So that means the artist has an unrecru- unrecouped balance of 120,000. With a royalty rate of 20%, their album has to earn 600,000 yep. before they break even, mm-hmm. right? From that point on, the artist begins to earn, and if they do, like, they earn 20 cents on every euro the album makes, so... 120,000 covers their advance and recording costs and the rest 480,000 goes to the record label. So like then if you go digital, right? So using the example that I've given you there, an artist's album would need to generate 100 million streams across the platforms to make 500,000 black. You know? That's incredible. And I know Bill Keller yeah. was like doing yeah. um, odd jobs and shit. Like he was painting houses. Um, he's, he's a landlord. Journey. Um, that's how he's making coin at the moment. And like, if I don't know if any follow like that Macedon yard sale, he's constantly selling like bits of like yeah. he bought me a signed um, Macedon vinyl for my birthday, and it's Bill who sends it out. Like yeah. he like he'll sell his old guitars, his old pedals, anything for a bit of coin. Um, and he's always mm. he's a big advocate of when you've made it, it doesn't mean that you're going to make money off this no. for the rest of your life. Like, got fired a couple of years ago uh, Greg Christensen and he's the bass player who was in Testament from the start he was a founding member and he was getting paid 175 quid a gig you know so it's like like there's a lot of people in this country who are working and probably making a lot more than that a day you know so it's like it's a totally messed up situation like that you know and I think yeah, if you if you wanna if you wanna do it, like Mastodon are a huge band, you know, but it's one of those things I guess where if they're on tour and you've got merch money coming in and you know, stuff, it's easy to sort of say, right, here's how much we're making a day, but if you're not, you know, and um you know, you're just sitting in the house, you wouldn't want to be waiting around for royalty checks mm. to be coming in saying, Nope, you know. No. Yeah, and with that royalty deal, um, the label has no claim on the artist's tour and revenue, merch sales and sponsorship money or anything else that isn't directly tied to recordings. So that's good for them. But I mean, where a lot of bands fall is that we'll say if they owe money on their first 
album, the record company then gets a second. Gets gets some. Oh yeah, we'll do a second album. So they have to earn way more, and all that debt from the first album is transferred yep. onto the second album. That's very and, unusual. You know, but like as I said, whenever we signed with Eric Donks ago, it was a very done deal at that time to have three sixty deals, and that meant that Eric were in charge of producing our merch, and they did all that. And then it went one step further after we left them, where they were signing new bands and getting. 50% of their merch and 20% of the gig fees, you know. From like the gig it, fees as well. Like, like it's yeah. just totally, totally... So a 360 deal, Joe, is... A 360 deal is um, the label is entitled to a portion of recording the money. Contract, uh, recording contract, publishing contract, uh, merchandising contract, and then they subsequently tried adding on, you know, live revenue as well. But it's just like, you know, but yeah. like these people who who think up these things are trying to figure out how they're going to make a living. They're not worried about if your band's going to be around in five minutes or whatever, you know, that's not the concern. It's more, yeah. how do we make sure that we're milking this cow as much as possible? It's yeah. the same. That's what Roadrunner do a lot. Like Roadrunner are known for um, trying to get a quick buck out of a band because they have their two cash cows, which is Slipknot and Nickelback. Do you know, like the amount of bands that have, uh, come through Roadrunner just been like fuck yep. that label like and I know now with them being bought by Warner Brothers that it there's there's really only like four big major labels now because they've bought everything it's everything's a subsidiary of something it's only when you get down to like you know when you have independent labels like you know like Curse Monk and uh, Invictus again it's like those are the kind of lads now that will you know I presume, you know, I've I've never worked with them, but they're the lads that will have more of a, they're not, I, I, well, I'm hoping they don't. I know fucking, I've heard great things about Curse Monk anyway, that is like, they're not going to be like, they're not going to try take you for fucking everything you have because chances are you don't no. really have anything. No, but by the same I mean? token, they don't, they also don't have the ability to pay for you to get on a Megadeth tour, you know, and that's kind of, that's where, like, having yes, yeah, a big yeah. label is important. Like that is, and if you want to go to America, like, a, the, the, it's going to cost twenty grand for visas and flights, and you know, sorting out the van while you're over there and stuff. So, like, there's definitely a lot to be said for having a big label involved. But the problem with like the bigger, like someone like Invictus or Curse Monk or um, you know, even Underground Movement, they're talking about selling a couple of thousand vinyls, you know, twelve inches, and making a profit. And this, their system works really well. Whenever you go like X steps above that, and like so, say whoever, whoever it is, like say Silosis or whatever, and you need to sell fifteen thousand albums, or it's not going to recoup. It's it just becomes a whole a whole different yeah. thing because the market for that sort of thing changes a lot, and like new metal trends will come and go. Like you know, Rethrash was in for a while. You know, Doom is big, whereas. Like smaller labels can concentrate on what they know their their audience or people who are fans of the label will like, you know. Totally. They can hone yeah. in on it. Which like, is great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but like <clears throat> I think for the likes of Roadrunner, they always traded on their name, you know. So like if you were an artist that originally <laughs> signed for them, you're getting on good tours with them. You're getting their presence. You're getting their skill set. They know how to market you properly. Yep. They get you on radio play. They're distributing your physical product. 
but that has all changed now yeah. with digital. So like with social media and everything like that, a band can fucking certainly do all that stuff totally. themselves if it's digital. So that cuts out the fucking well, in, record in some, label It's a lot. weird thing that like what used to be a big, huge plus of having a label would be having the um, like the pub, uh, like a PR agent and like people who get you, mm. get you into Kerrang or get you into Metal Hammer and stuff. And a big thing that's changed in the last couple of years is that still is a kind of important thing. But like a a huge thing for labels now is uh, lobbying uh, Spotify to get on the playlists and stuff like that, you know, because they know that Mm. if they can get their bands on certain playlists on Spotify, they're more likely to start. Yeah. And like whenever we we had a charting on Billboard with our last album and that was all due to Spotify players. None of that was to do with any physical units. So that was... We didn't even get a report back saying you've sold X. That was just, you're streaming this many a month, so that equates to this, you know, which isn't real, but, you know, that's how it works nowadays. With the 360 deal, I was just looking at that, um, the figures on it, like we'll say an artist will get 500,000, right, just say a really big band, right, advanced to make five albums, right? So with a 20% royalty rate, right, 100,000 advance for three concert tours, and that will be a 70-30 profit split in the artist's favour and a 500,000 advance on merch sales with an 80-20 profit split in the band's favour. So if the label gives an artist 100,000 touring advance and they earned 150,000 touring, you think the artist would just pocket the share of the extra <laughs> 50 grand. But these cross collateralized deal the artists wouldn't get the money unless they've completely recouped all yeah. their other advances so if they still owe the label 500 grand from their advance and merch sales the extra touring money will be counted towards recouping that debt instead there's actually there's an amazing documentary um and now i'm not really into the band uh, 30 seconds to mars have this documentary called i think it's like attract or artifact or something but Basically, what that is, um, I can't remember what label it is they were on, but they had like, I don't know, it was like a four or five album deal. Um, And this whole documentary is about them writing and recording this new album while also trying to get out of the record, the deal that they're on. Because I think it was like after seven years, they have the right to be able to terminate it. But they ended up like, you know, so it's just like they want to write the best music that they can. They don't want to release it on this label. Um, and, you know, and there's parts being like, you know, there, there's one part in the documentary where, you know, there's all this legal stuff they still have to write and they just get a call being like, we'll just, I, we'll say it's Warner Brothers or whatever, but they just get a call during it being like, by the way, we know that you're filming a documentary. We own every note that's played that you filmed and during this if you release this documentary we own that documentary regardless of what it's about yeah. you trying to get away from us so it's this like ridiculous and like you know at the same time trying to go through all this writing a um an album and the whole thing is you because it's their last album once the album comes out they're you know they're gone they can do their thing it's like going through things of being like if i write the most amazing album i've ever made now and i'm just going to get fucked on it or do i risk my career and just be like i'm going to we're going to make the worst album we possibly can Mm. which the label probably won't but then how do you 
come out yeah, of that being like, idea. this is the <laughs> shittiest thing ever. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, they end up getting so stuck yep. in it and it like just that, I think that is, that documentary is such a good look at like the high, high level of uh, a label. Like, I mean, if I feel for him, like fucking mm. poor bastards, like, have you heard of the net profit deal, Joe? No, what's the, what's the net profit deal? So that's the third kind of deal you can get. In a net profit deal, the label pays an artist a cash advance, puts all the money to record their album, fronts the cost of marketing and promoting it, all of which is yeah. recuperable. Once the album starts making money, the label takes 100% of those earnings until they've recouped all the money they fronted the artist. From that point on, the artist and the label split the net profits from the yeah. artist's album. And the split typically ranges from 40 to 60 in the label's favour. That's incredibly common. Like, that's that's generally the way... It, like, see the idea of an advance? Like, mm. the, the days of record companies having people checks are gone. Like, you know, the, what they do is they'll pay for your studio time or they'll pay for artists to do artwork or, you know, videos, etc. Mm. But, like, having an advance doesn't necessarily mean someone can go and buy a car. Like, it just means that they're going to pay for everything. But as you said all that comes out of your split. So yeah. like whenever you're in the process of recouping, so if your royalty rate is 15%, you know, on every album, all that stuff like marketing, recording costs, et cetera, et cetera, all comes out of your end until it's recouped and yes. then it's a 50-50 split. You know? Yeah, that's the net profit one. But, but they're very hard. Generally. Hmm? They're very hard to get these days. Um, well, I think probably like, it's probably hard to get because, you know, that seems like a shit deal, but that's the good deal on the table. Yeah. You know? Whatever's being offered is shitter than that. So. Yeah. And of course... I, I think it, it, it's a weird situation. Like, the internet is... Like, look at what we're doing now. You know, being able to discuss these brand new bands who otherwise would be trying to sell their demos at local gigs and stuff. It's There's loads of brilliant things about the internet. And I, for one, <laughs> think that... Like, yeah... Spotify and all those kind of royalty things are a total rip-off, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, so some of these bands who are selling mi- uh, millions of streams and getting 50p, etc. But being devil's advocate about it, as music consumers ourselves, like, we have been so long in the age of, you know, before Spotify was big, it was YouTube, and there was no <laughs> money going to anyone, you know? Mm-hmm. So if I think of it's doing anything, it's moving in the right direction now. But I suppose if we would anybody pay forty quid a, mm-hmm. a month for Spotify, you know, anything like re, near a normal royalty rate, I think most people would say that's Not too much. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we opened Pandora's box and now everything is for free. And you know, I remember thinking that this is great. You know, I'm going to save so much money on buying DVDs and CDs, and you know, <laughs> I don't have any extra money. I don't know where <laughs> where all that money went. <laughs> They're all gone on free trials that I forgot to cancel. Like, (laughs) (laughs) but like the solution in relation to this whole thing, if a if a band that we all know do get signed to a record label is just have a good fucking lawyer to have a fucking chat with. Don't go in politely. Don't rush in in, and sign your fucking. Music away straight away. Just because away, you, you know? can say you're signed doesn't mean <clears throat> to do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you got to ask yourself, like, what if the whole thing as well that I remember getting adv- advice is like, if, if people start coming to you looking to sign you, that doesn't mean jump on it straight away. You're instantly being like, okay, <clears throat> if one if one label is starting to see now that 
you know, there's something about this band that they can make money off. Like, unless you're getting some amazing deal, you know, don't get me wrong. There's still amazing uh, labels out there like uh, Church Road in the UK that used to be, well, actually, no, they didn't used to be Holy Roar. Um, Justine went over to Holy Roar or from Holy Roar. But um, it's like, just, you know, wait, like get, pick the right one, not just the one for the sake of it, because you don't want to be in a position where you're so used to writing like, in your own time, you know, how, how it works for you. And then all of a sudden you have a deadline. Like that's a huge thing that um, bands just aren't used to. Like, you know, if you sign yeah. something, uh, there is, I've heard great labels that are kind of like, don't, they won't be like pressuring you for the next one, you know, but a lot of them will be like, yeah, I need this finished by Friday. Do you know what I mean? Like two weeks. It's Then you're put yeah. in a position where you're kind of like, Shit. Okay. Well, I just have to get it done, which can be beneficial, I guess. But it's but it is preying on young people, you know, like old guys, like whoever Exodus, whenever they're making a new deal, they're not making the same stupid mistakes they made when they were twenty. Yeah. Whenever we signed with Eric, <clears throat> we did like uh, they gave us like a whole bunch of like albums to destroy on tour. They were like, oh yeah, we're doing this whole thing where it's like screw new metal. So here's like all these new metal albums. You can smash them on stage with a hammer or whatever. You know, it was like some sort of thing. We were like, oh, so cool. We didn't think that, like, you know, 12 years later, we'd be one of the bands that they were, like, smashing their CDs <laughs> on stage. You know? They're just the leftovers. You're young. Like, sell, whenever like, you're young, yeah. you don't, you don't realise that you're making, you know, a lifelong commitment. And as I said, being in that situation now where you're like, oh, like, our most popular albums aren't on, you know, Spotify or aren't on YouTube and stuff, that's just directly a result of us being naive and shit. But to, again, to play the devil's advocate, uh, Evan, it's like, yeah, you, good sense says don't sign a deal like that, you know. But whenever you're young, you're just like, well, this is my chance to go on tour with like bands and make albums and stuff. So you go and do it, and like all those bands have all similar, very very similar stories, like Exodus or whoever. They all got screwed over in one way or another, you know. Did you? Do I remember? Um... You signed to prosthetic from like a fucking tweet or something. What was the? Yeah, well, I can't remember. What Philly, was that? Philly, our singer, works in um, social media, and he used to like handle Guinness and Cato and stuff like that. Yeah, and I can't remember. He was doing something on Twitter, and like some, I think he might have been given off about Eric or something like that. I think and, that. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, like he, he, like tagged EJ from prosthetic and was like. Sure, why don't you sign us then? And like he was like, Yeah, all right. And that that was it then. Like <laughs> that was it. But again, like that's one of those things, isn't it? Just where that's that was probably just because he was aware of it wasn't as if he was just being like, Yeah, I'll, I'll take a punt yeah, on why these not? That, people. That's no idea funny, who like, they are, like, you know. And how like how would you compare um from different labels? I'm if you if you can't even say, like, you know, like comparing like Eric to prosthetic um, or um, any other labels that you were on, like in the growth of what was like the best and worst parts of each kind of like prosthetic are the best because like, they're like there to give you good advice, you know, and try and, you know, they really understand what's going on now. We were with like uh, AFM for years who are a German label and there's loads of labels like them. They're like a really good label, big, huge following in Europe and stuff like that. But, um, like, they have so many important bands on the label, you know, there's no way that they had enough time, time for worrying yeah, about, yeah. you know, what we were doing. Now, worry about what Onslaught are doing and then 
think about us half that. Um, so they were like two hands off, you know, whereas Eric were two hands on. You know, Eric would be like, we're renting you this cottage to live in when you're making this album or, you know, blah, blah, blah. But they were also like, they were using the band as a vehicle to sell the rest of their stuff. Everything that yeah. Eric does yeah. is based on trying to monetize Napalm Death and Brutal Truth and Carcass and all that sort of stuff. That's it. They all have their cash cows. Like. <laughs> so like basically like going beyond doing reissues and stuff, um, Eric would like sponsor a tour in America, you know, with Bond by Blood or uh, in Europe with Bond by Blood or whatever. And they would bring an entire like uh, trailer full of t-shirts and like not Gamma Bomb t-shirts, <laughs> just Eric artists, yeah. Like, yeah, and they would know. have like instead of having a merch stall, they would have like an Eric, Eric stall. So, but like the dudes in like um, I know Barney from Napalm Death, and he was like, I have a private detective, and he follows them around, you know, being all like, <laughs> yeah, you know, we went to your secret warehouse where there's a million, you know, carcass t-shirts in. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't give a shit. Like it's it's like you know, like the Sun newspaper. Whenever they hear they're being sued. They're not like, oh my god, we're being sued. They're just like, put it yeah, in the pile. Yeah, let's <laughs> join the queue. There's like many people. <laughs> so, I, I think it's a, it's like what you were saying earlier, Richie. Like, there's so many different sorts of deals out there and stuff. And um, the younger and more naive you are, the more more likely you are to make a boo boo. Mm. Like my favorite movie is Night of the Living Dead, and the guy who brought that out had Night of the Living Dead copyright. You know, or no, it was called like Night of the Flesh Eaters copyright. And then they changed the title to Night of the Living Dead. And they forgot to put the copyright notice back on it. So the movie came out and like, he never got one penny for it. Oh, like, you know? Jesus. <laughs> and the only person to blame is like, just being young. Like, you know? mm. Yeah. yeah I, sometimes hunger can like, and in saying this, like I'm not being like, fuck labels. Like Jesus. Do you know, no, I mean, is, we have, there's we some have, really, um... really good labels. Like um, yeah. I'm trying to think of ones that like, and do you know what? There's a lot of labels that I follow. Like, I follow the label and I'll find bands through them. Like, yeah. um, <coughs> Big Scary Monsters in the UK, um, Church Road. Like, and some of the stuff they put out is like, nah, not for me. But a lot of them I'll just be like, get obsessed with. Do you know what I mean? Like, if they have a certain yeah. sound, which, like, I always find um, I, what I love doing is like, if there's not really with like major labels, but like, you know, Small, like mid-level bands, I guess we'll say. Like, um, you know, they'll whatever label they're on, I'll check out their label. Like when we, um, when we interviewed uh, Grumster on the Skull Sessions, we started checking out like loads more uh, bands on Asian Man Records. Found loads of stuff that I really liked, you know. And then you you start kind of going down the rabbit hole of of like following a label for a sound almost. Yes. That was definitely like Richie, I'm sure. And like Danielle, you'd probably say the same when you were growing up, listening to either like 80s thrash or 90s new metal and stuff. There was labels that you could rely on. If you liked this band, yeah, there's going to be other bands like that on their label, you know? Yeah. yeah. Roadrunner. That's the first yeah. band I ever heard of or first label I ever heard of. And that thing that they was probably like, the same. Yeah. Yeah. It was the first, first label I had been like oh that's the label I want to be on when I'm a famous guitarist yeah yeah. Um, and they were very much like you might remember this Danielle they had like Roadrunner All Stars and stuff that would get all the bands from the label I was going to say that yeah, yeah that. Roadrunner that was yeah. such good and like um, such good marketing yeah, yeah and Combat did that in the 80s as well you know where they would like make an album with 
guys from Anthrax or you know there or whatever other bands were on combat at the yeah. time, you know. Noise records in Germany. Was it yeah. Germany noise for you, you guarantee yeah, great why, why don't you start a label? Yeah, oh, that would be great. Be yeah. Do you want me to get old in front of your eyes? Because I feel that fucking way anyway. But well, all we have to do is watch. The, all we have to do is just watch the first episode of the Metal Cell, uh, and then just <laughs> <laughs> turn it to this one. Like, I'm imagining instant. that you know, in the first episode, it'd be like a flashback where like Richie would have like thick black curly hair. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all just you know gone the way of the dodo. <laughs> Absolutely ripped. Like <laughs> <laughs> he's already lost his sight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Fucking three years. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, three yeah. years in the 14th of March. Fuck. Imagine that. So what, wow. What day? You need to, you, we, we've days. been deciding this for you. You need to do a festival, Richie. You need to put on like a bit, an yeah. outdoor gig in your back garden or something. Yeah, that's it. If you book them, they will come. Yeah. Well, we yeah. were going to do something for your birthday, but COVID ruined it. Like it Ruined it, yeah. 50th yeah. gone, for fuck's sake. Like, yeah. and then you, Get to fucking celebrate it with fucking metal. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, That's the worst thing about COVID. Like, Richie didn't get his birthday. <laughs> yeah, absolute worst. But we're just getting back to labels. Like, any band in Ireland, like, we'll give it, like, I mean, Paranoid Beast were a great help there with getting um, albums out for... Yeah. Um, it was Parcelon. Subtle Beast is what they did. Subtle you know, Beast, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Roger, of course, Monk. I mean, if you're just a band... Like tombs, how bad they got they got a release out through Roger as well, you know. Yeah, you know, I love so. that though. Do you know, like there's you're seeing a lot more bands, even that like will release just a demo will be under um, some label. Like I know yeah. there's like uh, Dublin hardcore lads like with Goon and what's the fucking label they're on now? Um, oh, like there's like Nuclear Blast in Wales. Like they're releasing a lot of Irish band stuff. Like because uh, I know tapes seem to do really strike well. Strike as well up in Northern Sudden Ireland. Strike, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Like these these kind of labels, fucking fantastic. Like you know, mm. and I I haven't heard a, a, a bad word about them. I haven't like really um, asked about deals or anything they're doing. But you know, like it's it's just that little bit of faith to have yeah. being like that bands aren't. Going to get just the idea, even that there's local stuff like that going yeah, on. I absolutely. Think yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Because you know? I mean, all those lads, uh, Roger, remember in the interview we had yeah. with him, Daniel, yeah. like, fairly down to earth and realistic uh, as well. You know, that. legends, yeah. He'd be someone I feel you could actually just message him and be like, look, would you be into this? Like the way he was talking about it, he's like, bands have got onto him and he'll listen to it and be like, I want to put that out. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's yeah. not like, yeah, and he knows full well that. You know, if they're really good, they'll move on. He's he's yeah. realistically enough, realistic yeah. enough to realize that. that you know? like, there's a great story in Thin Lizzy's book that whenever they originally signed with a, there's a Decca was the label that they That's originally right, signed yeah. to, Decca, signed yeah. the Stones and stuff. But like a Decca had an office in Dublin, so like Lizzy had been going around for a year or two, and they went down to the Decca office, and you know, uh, the guy in Decca said, you know, yes, we are we're the office for the London company, but we can't make decisions like that. You know, if you want to make any decisions like that, you're going to have to go to London. And that was the beginning of like bands taking the Hollyhead ferry over and like all those bands who kind of followed everyone from like, you know, them and therapy or Asher, they all made their name in England, you know? Yeah. And that's the brilliant thing. What you're, you guys are saying that the fact that there's small metal labels and podcasts and, 
you know, the, uh, like recording studios where you can make a really good sound demo in Ireland. Mm. Like that's that's huge. Yeah, that really is like a, it's a massive step forward because certainly 15 years ago when we started, there was no like no good studios in Ireland anywhere, and there yeah. weren't any. Yeah. There maybe like one or two little punk labels or underground movement and stuff, but certainly not like people who are going to give, you know give a chance on some shit sounding band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A band with a shit sounding demo. I think PR really will come into come into play a lot more with um social media and everything. Yeah, yes, okay. like you know, if you can if you have a release, say you have everything ready to go and it's not like if whatever if you're doing it with a label or not, um I think it's like as long as you're getting it to the right ears, do you know what I mean? Like, and PR I think is a huge thing for that. Like, if you have to get a get a company, like, no, I think one of the big things is like bands knowing their limits of knowing what the, you know the DIY side of it and knowing when right we've got ourselves to this point. Yes. Yeah. We do we do we want to invest now to get ourselves to the next point? And I think with like PR you're not doing it's not like a label um you're just doing like i don't know like maybe a, a three go oh, the fuck away from me fly but uh like you know like it's a, a three month deal and you're paying depending on like it could be a lot do you know what I mean it could it could be a lot but you're then putting yourself in that position to maybe be seen by some of the mid level or better uh level labels that you could make the decision then on what to do, you know, it's it really is just about getting your getting your music out there. I agree, one hundred percent. I take as much as possible, like. And again, um, it depends on where you are. Yeah, I suppose as well, like. You know, it, it, I mean, if you're a if you're an Irish band, and you're looking for a PR label, in Ireland, there's really one option and one option only. But if you go over to England and get maybe five or six um, PR labels. You have a good choice there. And again, how much are you willing to pay out of your budget to go that extra step for that PR? That's the question, isn't it? What's your yeah. budget? It, it, it's like kind of, if you kind of lay that's it. Like I think budgeting at a release um, and obviously as you're going, there's going to be things that come on, but it's kind of like not to be afraid of um, there is going to be more costs that come on but yeah. you know one, one, once you get it out it's kind of like is it going to be worth it is someone going to freak and be like oh here fuck this I, I don't <laughs> see what I mean <laughs> Joe's like no I'm not giving it no fuck this I don't, the label was supposed to take this and I'm look <laughs> I just saw his ass there, man. Joe! <laughs> what the hell, man? Look what it says on my uh, beer. Laser, Laser Quest. quest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually pineapple. That's unreal. That is ah, unreal. Fuck me, Joe. What were you going to say there, Danielle? I, either I interrupt you or something. <laughs> oh, we're just, we're just admiring your arse. If we could put my moustache <laughs> in your arse, we'd be fucking unstoppable, man. One wow. on each cheek. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fantastic. 
that's what the people we'll do that for the next one like you know when like the music is starting to come in like it's like just like slowly fading like it starts with that and just fades out and you can gradually see us like, <laughs> the viewers what they want yeah that's it like I decide what they want yeah anyway Danielle what do you think are we just waffling a load of shit here or what well, like, I suppose we've been saying how great it is that there's so many smaller labels for smaller bands and that it's great that there's um, good quality demos coming out, great quality demos even. But that's kind of adding to the influx of um, kind of songs and bands that are out there. So as a consumer, you've so much to wade through to find something you like. It's all coming at you. So I suppose that's where the PR comes in for you to stand out from the crowd because mm. I think that's as as great as it is that we have all these options I I find I find, sometimes sit down and go what am I going to listen to there's so much to listen to you know? do you find yourself being uh, like targeted by marketing as in like if you like certain bands posts will you see more stuff of that nature because it's I that's do. one of the things that I find nuts these days is how yeah, specific I definitely do oh know, yeah definitely like if you Even, only like had Daddy's brown sauce and didn't like HP, you would only see like HP. HP, yeah, yeah. Brands, you know. Yeah, like it was pure weird. I was just chatting to my housemate. He brews beer, um, and he was just telling me about his his kit, and just looked Give at my phone. Shout there, out. what does he do? Um, Ray, Emma's Emma's boyfriend. Um, yeah, it's he just shame, like. Yeah, no, no, it's just for himself. He doesn't sell or anything like that. Um, uh, but, greedy bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Fair play to him, like. But yeah, like uh, an advert came up then a few days later for for kegs, like home boot kegs, and sure, I've never looked that up in my life. So yeah, it's it def- it's definitely an algorithm that feeds you what you want to see. Yeah, yeah they're um, listening to us, like they are definitely. But I, and I do find Spotify good in that sense that sometimes I'll listen to something. Discover Actually, and stuff. Discover yeah. Weekly on a Monday, starting work on a Monday here, turning it up being like, what am I going to get? You know, Sometimes like, it's a pile of shite, oh, John. Man, this, week, this week I was nearly in tears. I was so excited and everything God. was shite. Like, yeah. Or like um, when, we, when, we had, when we had Roger on, or Richie had Roger on, and uh, afterwards I went and started listening to Nomadic Rituals, became obsessed with them. They put up a playlist. Yeah, they put up a playlist called Sonic Doom. Um, I started listening to that, got a rake of bands off of it. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's feeding me what I want. And it, like, that yeah. algorithm works so much better than, like, you know, the Facebook one of, you could be listening to, I don't know, whatever, Nuclear Assault, and then the next thing it suggests is something totally different. Yeah. You know, that yeah. is the good thing about Spotify like that, is they do try and tailor it. Um, but then I suppose maybe, you, like, do you think you get pigeonholed a little bit like that if you only play Thrash? You're never going to... It does happen to a lot of lads that are that way. Is the answer I would be? Richie, I have to ask: Is what is is that a Indian Joy Belladonna headdress yeah. behind you? Is it? It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I thought it was massive. I actually, my depth perception there. I thought that was really far away. I was like, he's <laughs> not going to reach that. I'll have a special anthrax episode and you can wear that. Yeah, absolutely. That would be deadly. <laughs> isn't it a thing of beauty, isn't it? It is. You are. It yeah, isn't. you are. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, speaking of algorithms, like, um, I love a band called Turnstile and, uh, like, I just, like, if I'm in work, I'll keep putting on, like, just uh, Turnstile tunes, but I'll have it on YouTube 
and uh, there has been so many times that like you know the ads that play at the start it's all for hardware shit like low, just because I'm searching turnstile they're just like <laughs> right hardware stuff and they're like these nails can bend <laughs> I'm like yeah, fuck it. Someone's someone needs to be fired. Someone, like, What's this on YouTube? Like, is it? Yeah, like just because right, they're okay. seeing I'm searching turnstile, even though it's like a hardcore <laughs> band, they're just taking the word turnstile. And like I'll often get like a uh, like hardware ads on um on Facebook because they all link together through your email. Mm. Yeah. And I'm just like, you don't know me, man. I can barely put my fucking shoes on. Like, <laughs> but Joe, your record label have they control? Over running, let's say your stuff on YouTube, or is that down to the band? Um, generally, it, it depends kind of what the deal is. You know, um, label to label, some labels have like super like uh, active YouTubes, so yeah. they'll yeah. upload the and, video and to their label. Like, Let's like... upload it onto ours because we have X thousand followers, or you know, other labels that have less of you know a strong YouTube presence won't mm. won't really care about that, but um. It's like what you were saying there briefly uh, to go back. Um, the that whole thing about algorithms and stuff is again that's part of what like the new PR is. Is like yeah. whenever these yeah. labels are trying to convince Spotify to put people on the playlists, that's because they know if you're on playlists with Nuclear Assault, then it'll be suggested to be played after someone listens to that. You know, yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. That is that's kind of the way it's going. But you know, it's a. <laughs> I was thinking, I was trying to think earlier on about like historic heavy metal deals and stuff, you know, as in things that were like a huge, huge thing at the time. And there was like a really famous one about Manowar signing a record contract in their own blood. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't know who they were way. signing to and stuff, but like they were all like cutting each other's palms and they had like a quill and stuff like that. <laughs> like, you know. Is that I even think, binding? I think that, like, like, <laughs> it's like a flair for the dramatic, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, maybe it wasn't even dramatic. Like, Richie, I'm sure you heard about, like, when Iron Maiden sang the EMI, like, they like they had got, like, the biggest, you know, advance that a metal band had ever got to go on tour and et cetera, et cetera, what you was, know? What was the Iron Maiden signing where they all turned up in Germany and there was some fucking, they were wearing... Oh, oh God. What was that? That was, like, for, that was like, a record release party for one of the Blaze Bailey albums and they had, like, a bunch of midgets dressed, like Hitler, oh, and, like... Fucking ah, hell. Like, <laughs> fucking like, Maiden, like, huh? Just, like, um, dwarf or small people like, to be a bit more PC but but yeah like I suppose you can't really differentiate between saying PC if you're talking about either a small person or a dwarf dressed as Adolf Hitler really. so yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that goes right out the window once you break <laughs> yeah. Hitler and you brought up a great subject there that it's like cleaning your shoes before you walk in the mud there's like. no more Madden record announcements and oh. rolling out fucking midgets or or like you know, million album deals like that. You know, whenever you heard about yeah. things like that, where like I think whenever Ten Anthrax deals did, like you know, yeah, Anthrax got like a a million or like two million bucks for like one of their deals, and they're like, oh my god, like this is nuts, like it's just. But that you was, know, I think, that was more than. I don't 90s. think Metallica ever got caught up in that, did they? Well, when Metallica were with Elektra, where they they were signed to Elektra, they had yeah. a massive. Um, uh, Fucking! They went to court with them uh, to get their um, the rights, rights to their back music back. Yeah, that was yeah. a huge thing. Like, well, I think that was because they like they they'd signed that deal kind of same as Iron Maiden, basically, where there was a clause in it saying after thirty five years you'll get the rights to the masters back because it yeah. seemed like so yeah. far into the future and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, 
when Metallica negotiated their deal with Elektra back in like 1984, they had already signed up a management uh, deal with the guys who managed Def Leppard and SEDC. So like they weren't walking in sucking their thumbs or anything. Yeah, yeah, fact, yeah. The, the guy who brought out Kill 'Em All um, and Ride the Lightning had a massive deal with Metallica and stuff like that. And, you know, Q Prime were able to just go in and fucking shoot some bucks at him, give him a couple <laughs> million bucks and be like, okay, go away. Well, that was <laughs> under one flag in Europe, wasn't it? Um, under one flag was the like subsidiary of Music for Nations. Yeah, that music was it. Yeah. So like under one flag was the one that like Reanimator and like a lot of English or like nuclear assault and stuff from them as well. Mm. I know thought you I... said Rihanna there. Sarah. Yeah, I, I thought like... you said that. I was like, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like fair play to her. Like, yeah, she's, she's got a secret heavy <laughs> metal fan. Yeah, yeah. That's, that would be a great episode sometime. Like, you know, people who have like secret, secret metal histories like My- Michael Bolton or whatever where they like made metal albums. Or, Chris for, like or Christopher Lee where he's really fair metal as well, yeah. Fucking yes. Like, but do you know what I'm like with... Um, with labels is I I don't like ten ton slug aren't signed to anyone. No, I feel like they'd be the kind of lads now that if whatever label like because I'm sure they definitely like there's no one not knocking at their door, you know. But I'm sure that like they'd be the type of band now that what whatever whoever they assign to, I'm like they know what they're 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 well they're yes. well aware. Oh, like, you know, facts, there's a good yeah. few bands like. Um, like I know Baylor have the album coming out I know whatever they do with it like is going to be well thought out and kind of crawling you know, as well just jumps the, yeah exactly yeah. like there's some there's people that I'm like you know you'll have put the thought and effort into this it's not just like like I'm very surprised um, Tenton Slug have done everything they've done everything completely mm. independently because I'm sure they've gotten gotten offers I'll have to have Sean like no they have or, they have they've done everything by themselves yeah 100% yeah. but, but the new release gotten... now will be interesting you know yeah. what's the distribution going to be with it because yeah. there will be a lot a lot of interest in it a fucking shitload lads you're around the fucking 10 months behind now at this stage <laughs> I think a lot of people are in that kind of COVID thing and I suppose labels are no different you know they they either want something to come out right now while people are sitting around and have money burning a hole in their pocket or they're saying don't bring something out until you can capitalize on it you know with gigs and stuff but even like you're getting bands like every time i die that have they've their their album they've released three tracks off it but two of the members are doing uh you know that cameo thing like there's a lot of bands doing that just to Mm. be like they yeah, did yeah. like a. Well, I think that's where a lot of people make like huge amount. Like uh, Matt Heffy from Trivium. That is his name. He's yeah. street. Yeah, yeah. Heffy or Heffy. Yeah, he, yeah. Like he it's... makes way more money from doing that than he does Which, being in a band. Yeah. You know. Yeah, Craig and Reynolds, like... the drummer in Straight from the Path, is doing fucking yeah. great with streaming and stuff. Just um, streaming. So, like, he basically you play, play games online yeah. or you know oh, do fuck, guitar okay. solos and stuff and. Like loads of get like my friend from Exciter does that and all from um, Evil and stuff. So. Like it's, I think the idea is that basically, you know, same as like Viper from Hardy Bucks. I love. Like they pay five, they pay five bucks a month to to get the stream, and then people are like donating a buck or two at a time. But I've donated money just for him to say certain things to Viper, like, and it fucking makes me laugh so much. Like I've missed this now. Sorry, you are you on about Twitch? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. People people play guitar on it, or people play games on it. 
Uh, and you they basically sponsor you. So like someone in the chat will be send you twenty five bucks and say, play the guitar solo from the four horsemen. So he's like, Okay, I'll do that, you know. Yeah, that's right. That's that's okay. But well, he's like capitalizing that. Like, yeah. you know, people have like the hard times again with every time I die, some of the guys from every time I die have watched some of their old um DVDs. And like watched it back live with a chat, just kind of laughing okay. at themselves. So, you know, stuff like I've seen, that. Like and, filmmaker, filmmakers have done it for you know audio commentaries on movies. Yeah, on DVDs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the audio commentary. It's, it's, it's that it's, kind of thing. It humanizes the whole idea behind the this man well. is that like that. There's uh, the the concept of fans having goodwill towards bands. You know, so like maybe everyone who we're talking uh, with here tonight is like me, I don't really have any use for CDs, you know, because no, I have a, a phone and stuff. So it's like, you want to support a band, but you like using Spotify because it's easy. So if you have goodwill towards, you know, Evan's band or whatever, you're more likely to with prompt and buy a t-shirt or donate money to Twitch or et cetera, et cetera. So mm. I think that's what it's all about is trying to figure out. And like, that's a great thing about all this stuff is this is all independent of labels. And yeah, Fuck knows, Richie. Like, that could be the kind of thing in 10 years where that'll be part of the contract saying, you Any, must do yeah, this on Twitch that's every what month. I'm just going. I'm just thinking, You must yeah. do a video every week or whatever, you know? Yeah. Fucking hell. So that's another stream of money for bands, potentially, is yeah. to get on Twitch yeah. and, as I said, just become a puppet to what people ask yeah. for. Well, I would even, love to see like one where it's just like Mortis sitting there in a chair being grumpy, or yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Danzig sitting there eating like you know Weedabix or whatever. An a- he does. Yeah, an ASMR or something. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Like, like and like, imagine really enough, pay I'd watch people it, like, to do that. Like, yeah, I'd pay like two hundred and fifty bucks to watch like I don't know if I can. Jacoby Shaddox like, <laughs> from fucking Papa Roach <laughs> like, yeah sit and read the you know the Mario Brothers movie novelization <laughs> or something yeah. oh, but it I all points that way doesn't it I, say, I think the idea is that you like you're a fan of whatever band and you you want to interact with them in some way so and it, it's a humanising thing and then you all almost feel like you have some kind of relationship with them you know like there's a lot of people like um, can you not do that on FaceTime live but you're making no money so you just got to Twitch to make money then yeah uh, it's it's more the content that you're actually putting up on I think yeah. it's like with, with Twitch now like there's Craig Reynolds who's the drummer for Straight From The Path and he does the Downbeat podcast but now he started doing Twitch stuff where he just he's playing drums people asking questions but Man, like this, like this dude will like if someone asks something, he'll just rip into them sometimes, being like, and he'll rip into himself. And like there was one thing he he was like, if I get a certain amount of like followers or whatever it is on Twitter, I'll do a full stream as normal, dressed as a woman. And he did it uh, recently, and like shaved completely. His girlfriend did his makeup, and like he'll he'll put it up on YouTube then, just being like sexy hardcore girl like you know one that was like uh, reacts to dr- Anika Niles drumming like you know, <laughs> just taking the piss out of the whole thing and I love that like I absolutely love that he completely humanizes everything I think, I think maybe what, what it was though like see at the very start of this whole process like or whatever with like Led Zeppelin probably didn't want to have to do whatever it was you know they were like I don't want to have to like try and beat the drum for my own album. So 
that's where the idea of you know PR and stuff became so important was you had uncooperative artists who were like you go and promote the Iron Maiden album or get Eddie to promote the album because I don't want to have to talk to everyone or I don't want to play to. like yeah yeah mm. so like that's that's it like there is definitely a conversation to be had about that where it's like well what do you think then Danielle it's like in one way you're doing this to promote the, to promote the band but in another way you're also doing it by necessity to kind of prostitute yourself a little bit aren't you like yeah and i suppose as well the other the other thing is is it going to fit in with the band's kind of vibe and message like, yes totally. you're you're not going to have a norwegian death metal band who's sitting there playing pokemon or something you know it's <laughs> yeah. not going to work um no. So you have to keep in with the tone and the message of the band as well, or, or, or then are you going to have rogue members of of a band being like, "I need money, I'm going to go on Twitch and do this," and people are like, "You're ruining the band," you know? Yeah, you're ruining because yeah, it's like you know whenever you see some death metal bands and there's like three of them wearing corpse paint, and then there's two other guys who aren't, yeah. like where they've never been able to solve that <laughs> argument in the band about the difference. who should wear corpse paint or not. But like totally because. Yeah. I think if you were in Mayhem or something and someone was hanging around playing fucking, I don't know, Pokemon, it, it would, their fans would not like that whatsoever, you know? Yeah, definitely. Now, maybe they could be reading dark poetry. Like I often said that to Alan from Primordial, you should do, you know, some sort of readings from Celtic books or something. People would probably love that. Like, Yeah, yeah they, but they probably would if you started reading like some famine stuff, <laughs> famine <yeah>. diaries. <laughs> are we on the famine, are we? I'm, I'm just <laughs> amazed that okay, this this whole Twitch concept is it a form of selling out just to get the revenue in? Selling out, yeah, but I mean, it's very Evan, 80s, me, me just... and Joe are old school. You don't fucking no, sell I, out, I, I actually know, get and... it. And there's something, Jesus Christ, if I see fucking, you know, like certain bands is all of a sudden doing like a fucking. Like a H and M advert or something, like you know, just something that's completely against. You won't everything. see me on Twitch wearing a fucking fur coat for the sake of fucking five hundred quid. I can't do it. I wouldn't do it. I there's would. also I'd wear a fur coat for five hundred quid. There's also the other thing where there's this new kind of <laughs> attitude of like, there's a part of me that when some bands or a person does something that is very, like, not what they're supposed to do. And it literally just comes down to the fucking, I'm going to do what the fuck I want. Like, do you know, um, Bring Me the Horizon? Yeah. Like, they were, uh, like, very kind of, like, metalcore. Never, was never really into them. Then people started <laughs> fucking turning on them because they started, like, changing. And now it seems that, like, people are kind of, like, starting to cop on. So I don't really listen to them at all. But I've been told, like, just, man, listen to some of the new stuff. It's fucking really good. I think some people now are starting to, you know, drop the barrier of, like, I can't like that. It's not cool. And realizing that, like, people like different things. People are allowed to do whatever the fuck they want. There's, it's there's... Called, called getting old, man. Whenever you're young, you give a fucking shite. And That's you're it. Old, you're like... Absolutely. I'm like, whatever, man. I don't like it. There's things now, like, it's obviously if someone goes back on their beliefs and just becomes a completely different person and, you know, yeah. like, if someone was fucking straight edge vegan and then is on, like, this, like, how to cook steak thing. But it happens. Like, you know, the burning red syndrome is real, like, you know? And, like, that was, like... Now, fair, fair play, Machine Head 
really brought themselves back. That new metal, from that, like, you know, and like there's other bands like you know Megadeth, Risk, they brought themselves back. Mm-hmm. But like at the time, that like that was like a seriously cal- calculated that, move. Yeah, like that was, that was like out. totally, totally selling out. Like you know, very different See, thing. That's from, yeah. You know, that's whenever, the thing. Like, whenever the Black Album come out like a whole bunch of Metallica's contemporaries or bands who are a little smaller than them all tried to make a similar album. And that was because their labels were being like, your friends sold yes. 10 million albums. Why don't yeah. you're a metal band? Why don't you do that? You know? Whereas like, I think that's the thing with the burning red or risk and stuff. They could see that they were right on the cusp of reaching out to a huge different audience, you know? And they just fucking yeah. overreached that audience. And like, see, I'll definitely, I'll see my people. thing with like, Selling out would would definitely be that uh, machine head thing where they did one album of those horrible fucking um, new metal tunes just to stay yeah. relevant and to stay on a trend. The but then went yes. yeah, because that's a, that's a cat that's grabbing cash just for the sake of cool. staying relevant. But people fucking grow and like if someone decided to gradually bring those elements because they're into it. Grand. I might not, yeah. Fuck, who that's who else might to tell you what like, you're um, supposed to do with your art? Do you know what I mean? But if you just all of a sudden, yeah, but if you're in a band back, with four members, Evan, and one of them is pushing really hard to do that, the other three not, don't. It's probably the label that's pushing to do that. Like, and there's the like, label Roadrunner as well. They were with Roadrunner. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think that labels are capable of offering bands good advice in that regard, being all like, I guarantee it's any band, point. if they were all like, yeah. we're going to cover point. a load of Beatles songs, they'd be like, bring the idea. That's perfect, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. like no one's gonna say, no one's gonna say you better watch out for your artistic integrity here. Like you know, don't do that because your fans won't like yeah. it. They'll be like, who cares what your fans think? You might get more. You might get disco fans listening to your band. That's exactly what I mean. Like they're just like, yeah, cool, man. If there's more people, more money. That's mm. fucking. That's yeah. Do that. Go go with that. And I like you know. At the end of the day, it's that Ruben lyric of like uh uh music is a business like any other if you don't like it then so what like you know like there ruben have this tune um i think it's like oh fuck what's the name of it alpha signal something anyway it's on in nothing we trust but it's literally a full song and the lyrics are amazing uh it's about being in a band being in like signed to a label and like people being like oh Sell out your selling your music, blah blah blah, and he's like trying to explain literally everything that we're talking about. It's like I have a fucking, I have to live. You know, music is a business. At the end of the day, it's, it's like the Tool song "Hooker with a Penis," where like they're singing about a guy who's like calling them sellouts, and he's like wearing drinking kind of coke, wearing a pair of vans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he is, and he's like, I and and Mayor Keenan like admits it. He's like, I sold my soul to make a fucking record, like. Yeah, no. that's it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's in like my whole thing is like, people... like that in Wayne's World. Do you remember in Wayne's World where like whenever Garth is dressed in all the Reebok gear? Like, and he's oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that just makes me really sad. And yeah. like, <laughs> Fair enough. But that's yeah. it. Like, as in, we're all fucking like it's. Has Gamma it's... Bomb ever made a potentially sellout record? I thought you were going to say, co- I thought you were going to say a couple of quid. No. <laughs> potentially ever made no, a couple no. of quid. Oh. Would you have been accused of selling your souls for? One release. Thing is, if you're in a band and you start off playing at a million miles an hour all the time, the only way that you can possibly go is slower. Like <laughs> course, once, yeah, you, yeah. once you have like one or two songs mm. that aren't a million miles an hour, people are like, oh, but I don't yeah. know. I think people are so self-aware about that sort of stuff nowadays. It they don't actually give a shit. And I would be very surprised, you know what we we're saying about the burning red and stuff. 
at the time, it and risk were a huge deal. And people were like, this is a fucking betrayal or, you know, sent anger, especially like, Mm. you know, what the fuck has happened here, you know? Whereas now, I think if you were a kid and you were just listening to the discography, like, I don't think that people would be that affronted by it, you know? Whereas like, I know that whenever I first listened to, you know, whatever Testament album was the sellout album or, you know, the Exodus album that sucks, I didn't really... I thought it was okay. You know, it wasn't like an affront because it didn't happen right there and then to me. The same way that like the burning red, there was all these people who absolutely love the more things change and building momentum. And then it's like, oh fuck, like, you know. To go back to your point, Richie, where it was like, like if Gamma Bomb ever did like a sellout thing, I think Gamma Bomb of all bands now, if he did, like if he packed yourself in like, Reebok or Adidas or like I would just think that's the fucking funniest thing ever like he oh, yeah, in my band, as in because I think and oh, well comes, that wouldn't be a sellout like you know no, no, but you know if he did, doing if that, he, like making a rap album or you yeah, know, exactly, an album but I would like, see the like, world like all playing ukuleles and shit like but you know and if you actually fine. release that like there be there's something about like um not it's like what I love about Gamma Bomb and like is just like serious band but you don't take yourself seriously and that's it just makes it so much easier yeah to get on to, board to get on and listen to it and just be like but that's why I asked Joe was there an album because we all know don't take themselves seriously and Joe said yeah they play a million miles an hour so naturally enough there was a few songs that had to slow yeah. down naturally but were you aware of a situation with an album that fans went, fuck you, it's... No, not really, man. You know, like, again, because we, like, we're a second-generation thrash band, yeah. we're not from the 80s. Yeah. And, like, we had the amazing, uh, like, for, like, we were very lucky to be able to see all the mistakes that these other bands True. made, you know? Yeah. So, like, you could see where these bands fucked up their careers by making a totally shit album that was, as you said, like, Daniel, a calculated kind of move to try and, yeah, yeah. Move farther up the goalposts. And so it's easy not to like do those kind of things. And like the other thing you have to remember is like there's a huge, it, I know it's like a small goldfish bowl, but there's a million miles between Slayer and Metallica and what we do. You know, Slayer and Metallica, that is like commercially acceptable metal, you know. And if you're going to make music that's sort of like, like Flotsam Jetsam or Raven, you have to accept that that's for people who like that kind of music. It's not for millions of people. It's for hundreds of thousands of people, maybe, you know, so, mm. but that's great. Like, I think that that's the bit, that's the best thing in the world. You, I don't think art should always be trying, like it, machine heads idea. They're fucked up by trying to get people who like rap to listen to machine head, you know? Yeah. Very quick as well. And it was like, yeah, I think that was it wasn't too, a much, third too album, much obvious too of quick. a, of a cash grab. Yeah. I think that and was I always the feel that there's it, like... a weird thing with that. Um, you might agree with me. Is like, see, one of our band has lost their way. They've lost the map completely. Like mm-hmm. everything that they've ever done after that has always seemed like they were trying to find their way back. You know, yes. it's never like, and every band like Metallica and stuff. Their last album was good and stuff, but it sounded like they were trying to find their way back to reload. You know, where they had a like a so sense. I think of, there was a gradual progression of them trying to get back. Like each mm-hmm. one is Death Magnetic was like the last one that people are like, "That's good." Do you mean I remember like mm, Death Magnetic came out? And people were like, "What was it? Was that the last one?" No, there no, was Hardwired. Was uh, hardwired. Yeah, hardwired. Sorry, Hardwired are the one that like when that came out because it seems like if a Metallica release 
a record there is like people that haven't listened to it and are are already being like they they're just they have their their posts on facebook scheduled being like oh fucking sell out this is shit but when that hardware uh one came out people were like that's metallica Do you know people that's- got burned though man whenever sent anger come out i remember hating it and reading and crying and metal hammer and all about how brilliant it was and i was like it's gonna like you know this will click <laughs> i loved it at the time man i loved it because it was the first metallica album it was the first metallica album that came out yeah. in my and everyone has that attack, yeah, attachment like it's like same if if you got into Machine Head on the Burning Red, then that's the album that you will love, you know. Yeah, so, and I saw them it. twice with my dad because, like, yeah. my dad ended up loving that. And my dad ended up going back and just, like, loving Metallica. I got, like, three Christmases when I was a kid just buying a different Metallica album for my dad because I was just like, I'm not putting any effort into anything. And he was like, do you know, what I love about my dad is, like, he'll, he'll still, like, my dad will go out of his way to let you know he likes it, that he'll sit in the kitchen on his own Listen to the entire thing like this, like, <laughs> like like he does love it. He brought me. He we went twice. Like you know, I could have gone with friends, but I was like, no, nah, I'm going with my fucking dad. But, you know, it's like That's what class. I love is about see, seeing my dad here in Saint Anger. Right? See, my dad is like if my dad doesn't like something, he doesn't like it. But he doesn't have any preconceptions about anything. After he just like he takes things for the face value of did I enjoy that or did I not enjoy it? He went to see um, uh, Twilight with my brother and everyone was like, oh, Twilight's gay. Ah. My, bro- my dad came back and was like, yeah, I love that special effects are unreal. Yeah, that's it. Like, you know, just, and I, I always try to take that attitude of being like, not to be like, so ugh, they didn't write the album that was specifically for me because I own this band. It's like, yeah, did I enjoy it? Yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah, cool, move on. Like, don't be... Unless it's fucking shit, then I'll go my way. Try being a father then and being dragged to fucking musicals in the oh, cinema. Oh, dear. Yes. Yeah, um, at I'm least not I... going to go there, but I will go back to the whole thing about the romanticism of a band trying to find their way back to their original roots. Everybody will get sucked into that, you know? Everybody will, because yeah. it's the natural... It, Richie, as you're saying, it's like that that reminds you of when you were that age, you know, yeah. whenever you were young. So whatever the album was, if it's Burn Red or whatever the thing that you connect with loads, you're like romanticized by the idea of feeling like you did whenever yeah, you were. Give me that age, feeling right? again. Like yeah. I remember getting the day off school whenever Garage Inc. came out. My mum like was taking me into school in the morning. She was like it's a new metallic album. You've got the day off school. You can just sit in the house. What and- a fucking oh, Jesus! Oh, got a mother. Wow. Like, ah. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> me. As if that would ever happen. It's crazy to think as well. Like um, going into shops, like we'll say with labels now, where like you would pay for a CD when it came out, twenty five buck. Oh yeah, you went you, up like, that, that money, was, yeah. That was grand, and like you, that you wouldn't think twice about it. Like you know, so now you would, you would if you were broke. Oh, you would, I, if uh, it was an like, like and, do you know what? I've I've bought albums that even if I thought it was fucking shit, because I actually went in and bought it and spent the money, I'll find something that I like. Do you know, I'll, it was like, a big I thing. See, late, late in the nineties, man, there was a like. Now you weren't going to get Metallica albums for this price, but there was. Like Tower Records and a whole bunch of people around that stage started going from fifteen euro for any CD, where there was four for twenty euros, and you could go and buy like you know, 
don't know, like whenever it's four for 20 quid and you were so used to it costing that much money, you would go and buy Miles Davis kind of blue or... Oh, well, you know, Miles Davis is amazing. But, but, you know, you could take a chance on music because it was only a fiver, whereas, yeah. Richie, you'll definitely remember, see whenever things like Led Zeppelin BBC sessions and it was like 25 quid for two CDs. Habit, so. You're like, that's my fucking pocket money. Like, you're going to listen to everything on that and just be yeah, like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go, great example, I have it. Fuck's sake. And do you remember as well whenever uh, Metallica brought out their live box set I knew one guy who had it, and people would be coming up to like queued up outside his house. It was like two hundred quid or something. Yeah. Like, well, it's the live shit. Uh, bin bin bird. Bird. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember a friend yeah. of mine, Barry, had it, and uh, I remember like, he got it for Christmas. So it was just like waiting for the time yeah. where like all the Christmas shit is done enough that like I can call up to his house that I'm not going to be there with like like a load of different family members and we're just sitting watching this thing being like, this yeah. is That's another great example day, like... of record label manipulation yeah. of the fans. Yeah, because it was so expensive at the time. Jesus and it was, Christ, and like, but loads of people got it. Because yeah. they wanted like, it, it was the marketed they, they... in Kerrang, it was marketed in Metal Hammer and you were just going, Jesus Christ, you'd be thrown into but a panic the same going, time, I have to have it, I have to have it. Yeah. At the same time oh. though, it, we had attention spans then. Do you know what I mean? It's like we don't have attention spans now. No, because you're like, flooded with everything now on yeah. the internet. It's, everything, yeah, yeah everything it's is accessible and easy to get. But... Yeah, but back then the magazines made this whole thing of you have to have it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, whereas now they'll still be like you have to have it. You'll stream it and go, nah, yeah, wish. that was cool, man. You'll talk about it. But then you move on, on to the next thing. It's like... Which, I'll never which forget that... Jason from Grave Sermon. He summed it up. The magic is gone. The fucking magic anyone, is dying like, from Binance. This is a this is a good one, man. Who has brought records back? As in, bought a CD and then came back the next day with it being like, "This is fucking yeah, Because you still off. get a receipt. It's a fucking yeah. You know, I remember yeah. doing that like a couple of times. And it was a game. You're yeah, in that, you like, actually 16. bought a record back. Yeah, it was like I a, never a, brought a back. Holy fuck! Bill Steer had a band after Carcass called Firebird, and they were brilliant. But like after their first or second album, they brought out something that was totally shite. And it was, again, had ordered into the shop, you know, 17 quid. And then you're yeah. like, oh, this is like 17 quid is on the beer money and the cigarettes. Yeah, money. Yeah, like, yeah. I was going to have a night on the town for 17 <laughs> quid back then, you know. But I had to go yeah. back. What about no, you, never... Daniel? Did you ever feel like that? Yeah, I remember um, when All Hope Is Gone came out by Slipknot. Like, my man was working. be a Slipknot one. Yeah, my mum was working and my dad said he'd take me down to Limerick to get the album the day it came out. And uh, yeah, just absolutely fucking buzzed for it. Um, even St. Anger, when St. Anger came out, buzzing for that. Um, but, but yeah, I think that kind of, actually, Evan, you, you probably relate to this, like the kind of buzz that we got, because we didn't have so many of those albums, was yeah. when you got a song downloaded from LimeWare. That oh, was geez, right. Yeah. No, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, Joe, yeah. yeah and you're just there and and you've been looking for the song for hours and it, it you keep downloading you'd be waiting two hours for it to download and then you click it and it'd be a fucking ad like, yeah, oh. or it's, it'd be some band like with uh, tool stuff that would like find a way to upload their stuff um, as an unreleased tool track 
Totally. And then yeah. it would just be there, like some band, like, and there would be loads no of, like, and I can still remember. What you're on about here. What oh, is, man, what is Wire was like, Wire was the it's jam. It's basically like Napster is, again, going back to labels, like. 2003 kind of crack, wasn't it? Really? Yeah. And yeah. do you remember, do you remember as well, like, how much fucking, and I think about this so often, how much shit Lars Ulrich got for the whole Napster thing, right? He got yeah. fucking, like, yeah. people were burning Metallica yeah. records. Yeah. Fast forward now, where every <laughs> single fucking artist is saying how bullshit this is, and people are now trying their best to to buy uh, vinyls or buy anything to support artists. But at yeah. the time, it was yeah. just like, oh, what? So we're not like it was this like romanticism. But if you like, think about Lars, right? blah, blah, blah. If you think about Lars, he I often do. came from a vinyl fucking history. His dad had it. He had it. And he suddenly became in people, became people one of the like, most successful like, bands ever, and fucking knew it. He called it correctly. It was down to his I don't personality. Think he did call it, correctly. It, it was the, the fact was the very yeah, fact back was that the internet the internet was changing the world. You know, yeah. But he and called like, it. Joe. What, what I mean, he had the balls yeah, like, to call it. Right? No, he he's did, he's right. right about the the thing that happened. But it was an inevitable thing that was going to happen. There was no way to control it. And I tell you, tell you other things. No one likes hearing millionaires giving off about how fucking, yeah. you know, scuffed well, up their That was a huge is. thing of it, yeah. And that was a huge like, thing of Metallica, it. Metallica, if Sid Anger had been as good as Master Puppets, people would have went out and bought it. No, I so, think yeah. if James Hetfield came out fuck and fucking called it, there would have been a completely different reaction. The yeah. fact yeah. that was came to my house and told me to delete all my downloads of Metallica, I would say yes. Yes, yeah, yeah, right. that's it. I throw the computer out the window as well, like... And then, La- people just and, like to rip on Lars. Like he's yeah, fucking, but I mean, the man is responsible he is for Metallica's like. sound. He's unlikable, yeah. yeah. But I'm not. I'm just. You have to fucking re- realize that he came. F- he had all the stuff and got James into gear, everything. Yeah. I don't know the guy either, but like um, he interviewed had him about ten years ago, everything. and he was dead sound. Like he was like and very yeah. knowledgeable about what was going on in the metal scene and et cetera, et cetera. Like he knew what Exodus rat and stuff. Yeah, I know. He's not an asshole. Like, you know. Yeah, but he is. But but you can't question his knowledge on the scene. He is an asshole, but you cannot question his knowledge on it. It's fucking Well, if he wasn't in Metallica, I don't think Metallica would have been... Like, if they had a fucking amazing drummer, I think Metallica probably would have ended up just being... That's interesting. Something I genuinely like because he was the fucking drive. And there's times in my head, and Brian said it to me, and I hate it, but I admit it is like, I like see, I, I get Lars is like, like I'm not shit, but compared to a lot of like, like I'll always compare myself to like the fucking super top up, but like I'll have a drive, do you know? Like I'll definitely have, and there's like. Is, is, that, is stop- that another podcast? Could Metallica have made it without Lars? But well, well, I'm settling it here. Like, probably people, not. People, like- people are always slagging off Kirk Hammett on the guitar, and like, like I see the same as like I think that Lars is an annoying person, but yeah, I have, yeah. like ultimate respect. He's, he's played really, really awfully on loads of bun- a bunch of things, and I've seen him being really bad. But like, dude. That guy played on Master Puppets, you know? And, like, I don't know anyone who's a good, like, that good on the drums, you know? Like, yes, the drum parts are kind of simple in parts, but same as Kirk Hammett, that stuff was, like, it sold millions of copies because it was brilliant. Well, like, have you you seen the, like, download where um, Joy Jordan had to to cover for Darius Ulrich? 
yeah. and you're, you, I was the biggest Joey Gordon fan. He was like the reason I started drumming and everything like that. Um, and you just wonder, is it just a bit overcooked, the drums then, when he's going on and doing all these fills? Yeah. It's too good. Yeah, yeah, I got that with um, what's his name, the drummer with Sepultura at the moment. He's fucking one of the best drummers oh, ever. He's on Belize Casagrande. Yeah, you are. Yeah, he, oh I my god, do, he's fucking was a battery or damage incorporated, and it was yeah, fucking yeah. nuts. He's he's just he's fucking incredible. And do you know what the thing is? But then it it didn't it's sound the power metallic. He has, yeah. yeah well, it, it so, I yeah. think it's it's not like because he said it, he, he made if, no he made no excuse because look, this is my yeah. version of it. Yeah, that's it. Like he always puts yeah. his own thing. Yeah. But the thing but, as well is like that. Um, <coughs> Lars has such a like he. I feel of all of them, business wise, like and label wise and everything. Yeah. Like I feel like yeah. he is the one that honed in on that and is the. Oh, usually yeah. ends up being the bastard because he's seeing the business side of things and oh so like yeah. like getting back to the take sure. would Metallica have been as big as they would have without Lars I don't think they would have nowhere Simple like, as that. That, everything about that like the Electra deal the Q Prime management deal then signed the, him, uh, like, yeah. Vertigo and Phonograph and all that's all him being a very shrewd guy and like a big thing that a lot of Metallica fans talk about really is that, that there's a naivety about the first three albums until Cliff's death, you know? Yeah. Where it's like, we're all in it together, we're all writing it, and, you know, we're all hanging about smelly socks and stuff. But mm-hmm. after Cliff's death, it was like, James Hetfield's in charge of the creative distra- uh, direction of the band, and Lars is in charge of everything else, you yeah, know? He'll do yeah. the business. No one else he'll... gets it say. And like, sort like of Kirk tours. has been in that situation since Dot. There's a bit in Some Kind of Monster when he's all like, we don't put guitar solos on this album, it's going to suck. Like, And they're like, well, that's only, who cares what you have to say? You're only Kirk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, <laughs> guys, like, guys. Dude, like, so it's just all about the music, guys. You I know? just love the, there's that clip like where they're talking and it's like, you know, I think James says something anyway, and you can see that Kirk just knows it's going to go to a fight, and like Lars is in like the the background, and you're going to see Kirk just go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he knows, yeah. He's, like, but he's one of those dudes, isn't he? Like, where I think that, like, the, like would Metallica have been as good with Dave Mustaine? Yeah, probably, maybe a bit better. Uh, Dave Mustaine is. I think he's a great guitar player, you know? Well, it, I, I think I it's proved straight away if he can go and start well. Megadeth. Do you know what I mean? Like, as in, I feel like there's no doubt um, with but that. But like, even is um, too much of a Hetfield-type character. He's he's a googly guitar player, but he's not amazing. And he's a brilliant riffer. So if he was in Metallica, you'd have these two brilliant riff guys right. and no one who was amazing at lead. So, yeah. yeah. We're straying from the point here, though. We're straying from but the like, point. But like, I'm wondering if, like, if um, if Lars started a label, like that could either be the fucking best thing or the worst thing. I, I think he has he a would, label. He would like could be one hundred percent wrong. I thought he has. Yeah, hot chip. Yeah, yeah. He wouldn't would be, yeah. would be too re-release that single. Like, <laughs> yeah, hot chip and fucking the Verve and Coldplay. <clears throat> oh, actually, yeah, he'd, be, he'd actually be managing Oasis now. Oasis would be Oasis reformed sick under fucking Oasis are under layers. You know what I mean? Yeah, Oasis are sick. But um, yeah, it's um, no. Th- is the answer, Evan? To I would say that without 
Lars Metallica would have been another Exodus. Probably, yeah. Close, but no cigar Probably. type job, you know. That, exactly. It, it just comes down to having someone that has and has taken yeah. knowledge of labels and like the mm. actual industry side yeah. of it. Do you know what I mean? And there's like always, every, so there's always someone in the band that isn't going like, you know, not saying that it's like, oh, we have to make money, but it's just like, it's going to have to be a drive to push and wreck everyone's fucking heads because like every band is going to have that. It's going to have the guy to be yeah. like, come on, come on. We're going to, we're going to do this. Because if you don't, that you're, you're probably just going to, you'll play a few gigs in a local gig and, you know, you'll get people telling you you're fucking class, but you're, you know, like you'll, if that, that's it. Like, you know, you need you need someone that's going to push and properly like kind of try to do it whether it fails or not and like try to get as much of the knowledge of the actual industry through but failing it, or not. I think know? it's a lot about it is to do with camaraderie between those guys. You know, like no matter what you think of them musically and stuff, James Hetfield and Lars Ulrich are able to write songs in a way that uh, millions of people want to buy. You know, and like the other big four bands like Megadeth, Anthrax, and Slayer and stuff don't have that with the writing, you know? Like, they have fractured writing teams where it's, like, Mustaine on his own, or, you know, like, uh, South of Heaven was written by, um, mostly by uh, Jeff Hanneman, and Rain and Blood was mostly written by Kerry King or whatever, or vice versa. So it's like, unless you have a really cohesive writing team the way that they do, they can't pump it out. And that's why Maiden were so good whenever Iron Maiden had that, great team in the 80s that could write all these great songs and whenever the guitar player left things started sounding shit again you know? uh, what, that wasn't the 80s of... Joe did you just say that yeah yeah just just what, what about bands that? that like you know will get a label and the label will try get uh, writers in do you know what I mean yeah oh my that, god that fucking it's not happens, so man. that well, happens like, Aerosmith in the, in the 70s Aerosmith used to write all their own tunes and whenever Aerosmith got back together in the late 80s like Desmond Child or you know, they were because, but he was writing the songs for Bon Jovi and stuff. They were just like, "Fuck, let's get this dude in." Like, you know, he knows exactly what he's doing. You know, yeah. But it's nuts. I think that that whole thing is cra- crazy. I could totally understand. You know, if it was like fucking, you know, Rob Flynn writing a song for someone else's album, but the idea of like getting outside writers in who are like, "Okay, you guys don't know what it is to be, you know, machine head. Let's get." someone who has a better idea than you and to there's no no yeah. one's ever going to defend that being all like no, actually so. <laughs> it comes down to the, the the whole thing with like prince like uh if you compare like prince to michael jackson is uh, that one the like prince was 19 wrote and played every instrument on his album whereas michael jackson had like what tw- a team of 20 something well, I don't more. agree with you about that man because oh. there's a great, really cool interview with um, Madonna and Madonna was saying, you know, whenever she started out she was really manipulated by the people who um, were involved in helping her write the music and she said she talked to Michael Jackson and Michael Jackson was like, I can't play any musical instruments whatsoever, I don't know anything about music, but like I have a tape recorder, oh, yeah. so I'll sit and go you know, bim, 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 and then I'll go and hire an amazing bass player to play that, and then I've written it. That's how Madonna and Michael Jackson operate. He's had full writers compared, if you're comparing to someone like Prince, who played 
everything. Like even the dr- he played the drums on uh, when he was like nineteen. I think it was like the first. He's a, he's a brilliant. Like I'm not gonna get into a discussion with you about how brilliant Prince is. He was he was totally totally the awesome. I came here. Like <laughs> I think it's the same thing as like Michael Jackson was one of those dudes who knew that if he wanted to keep his songwriting credit. It involved him telling other people what to do, yeah. and he yeah, told Madonna enough, the same yeah. thing, and that's that's how they did it. Whereas like Prince was the dude in Prince who like my friend did sound for them at a, a the Point Depot in two thousand and fucking six or whatever. Said he was loading in the gear to do monitors and stuff like that, Prince. and Prince fired everyone in the entire crew oh, and got the fuck? local guys to rig up the entire stage, and then got my mate to like put the sound together while the prince was standing there being like yeah turn that up and he's like right okay like the dude's fucking a genius but he was nuts Jesus Christ okay this is it lads we have discussed it and to the nth degree in relation to record labels I hope those younger lads that are watching this might get some insight and thank you Joe for for offering a lot of insight in relation to your for, band. For offering main... to sign a load of bands. <laughs> yeah, your next uh, step up will be manager. <laughs> and uh, as I said, I want to give a shout out to Kevin Storm of Fleet Burner. I'm wearing his t-shirt tonight, man. And it's a sad story, but I really want him to continue making music because that album is a fantastic testament to his willpower and getting it over the line. And it's a fucking sad indictment on the whole scene that he wants to fucking just give it away now and just not fucking continue. So, yeah, um, support your bands, like yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, what it is. It's a, it's it's about trying to find even if you can find two hundred people who will buy t-shirts or buy patches or who have what we said earlier goodwill towards a band, you know. Yeah, and like Richie, it's what you were saying about Fleet Burner you have really good will towards them. And there's loads of other people out there who do, you know? Mm. And I think that it's having negative businesses experiences whenever you just want to be a creative person. That's what that's what upsets yeah. people about doing this yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. So thanks, Evan. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks, Joe. Hit subscribe if you like the show. Be much appreciated. And we'll catch you again next month. Support your local medicine, usually. Bye.